Hello. Hello again. There it is. <laughs> How's it going, Brian? Good, man. Good. It, it it was recording. It just wasn't giving me the the graphical representation that it was recording. But it was. And it is, I believe. It's just I'm not getting the yeah. like audio. Oh, I don't know what you the levels. Usually I get the levels. Oh yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I, hopefully you don't I had that problem with uh, Mark Weaver once where he thought he was recording, but it only recorded one end. So we had this podcast that only had like one half the audio. It's like, well, can't use that one. Yeah, it's happened to me where I've lost them. And it's it's frustrating. Because you, you can't replicate the conversation ever. It's gone. No, there's one There's one I recently did with, uh, I had, I dragged B. Smith um, over to my place and he came with Yvonne and Victor Nares. <laughs> And it ended up being so bad. I was I, I was so drunk that everything I said was just blathering nonsense. I had to stop editing it because I was sick of hearing the stupid shit that came out of my mouth. And then you just you didn't put it up. No. Oh, I I've had a few of those. I'm just like that. It, it was just me though. I just ruined it because I was just I was just so nervous and like I was up drinking from the day before. It was just a shit show. And I was like, no one needs to ever hear this ever. Oh. It, it's it's good to put those up, like even if you're super embarrassed about it, because I don't know it's rollblading, so it can it can suck. <laughs> but oh, even if it, it even if it sucks, there would be some value in it. Like I don't know, it's fun listening to shit shows. Oh, absolutely! But it just felt bad for those guys because I'm like, all right, we need to redo that one just because I didn't give them like proper credence, you know? Like it could, I'm like, this could be so much better. We need to redo this. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. Definitely. But, yeah. I felt I felt that way about I did one with uh, Rob G and Matt Ledoux, and we got it recorded and everything, and it was a it was a, a really good conversation I thought, but I I put the uh, hookah machine or the hookah whatever the hookah uh, yeah like really close to the microphone, and so the podcast had this really annoying sound of the the like bong water being smoked like the whole time, which. Uh, was pretty annoying to listen to and a lot of people complained about so i felt really shitty about that considering it was like rob g and matt ledoux yeah i know that's that's there was one uh the woodward west one as i was editing through it there was a good bit of dialogue but all you could and i but it needed to be like chopped up a little bit because there were just too long of pauses and then i realized there was a sound of somebody peeing in the bathroom with the door open in the background (laughs) So if I would have edited it, like the P stream would not have been like you could totally tell that it was edited. So I was like, oh, crap, crap. that would have been. But I was like, oh, that was the sound of someone peeing in the background. That totally ruined it. So I think I just left it all in there. I'm like, oh, there's a the sound of somebody taking a piss. That's hilarious. So so you you edit all of your podcasts. I only started to recently. Yeah. Um, like the one uh, I did for um, Power, of course, was edited. Because that was the whole point was to edit it so it sounded like one solid stream. It was kind of trying to give people the tour. That was that was less of a podcast and more of just like I don't know maybe audio reporting. But I, at first I said I wasn't going to edit my podcasts, and I did like the first maybe six where I didn't, and then the rest I'm like I have to edit because there's just like long pauses or we're trying to like find the next thing to talk about. So it's like a lot of ums, yes, the. <laughs> And I've listened to podcasts where there are a lot of those, where the, the the two people really aren't meshing, so the conversation kind of stalls out. Yeah. And I don't edit it, and just as a listener, I'm like, all right, seriously, come on, a little bit. 
a little bit all it takes. But I'm always like <laughs> listening to podcasts like while I'm like working or something like that. So it's I'm very like actively involved and moving around at the same time. So I'm like I need something to like keep me going. Just go, 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 go. Right. So I edit it just for that. So when I, you know, even when I re-listen to them, I'm like, you know, there's a, the pauses, the ums, the ahs, like that. If there's like long stretches of them just to, just to tighten up the length, you know, yeah. you can take a, an hour and a half podcast down to an hour and still have all the relevant information and nuggets in there. Totally. Yeah. But when, when I started, I totally didn't want to, cause I'm like, I don't want to put that much work into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, especially if you do a lot of podcasts. Yeah, and you guys are over episode 100. Yeah, I know you passed yeah, 100. This will be, be 205. Oh, that's right. You guys hit 200. That's right. That was the milestone. Yeah. Because there's always like the 100, but then like 200 is just you've been doing it for a damn long time. <laughs> and I, I, I never edit these. Just yeah. to warn you. Oh, that's you. when I listen to them. It is. <laughs> oh, that's no. <laughs> that's just more on me to say uh, and, uh, and like less. Yeah, it. You have to be comfortable with silence. And that's a tough thing to do, especially when you're being recorded. To relax, like when you're looking for that word or when you're looking for something to say, it's really hard to just remain quiet. Yeah, and I'm usually the person just to sit there and fill the audio. <laughs> just just ramp. You do a good job. I listened to, obviously I told you I listened to the Michael Broad one, which I really enjoyed. That was a good one. I really that was a appreciated lot of fun. his uh, his energy, his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of spirit. That one. He's got a lot of spunk. You can you can see it in his skating, and you can see it in 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 the conversation that he had with you. He's an interesting yeah. dude. He's he's a, he's just a firecracker, and that's yeah. every time I look at him because he came over in the polo shirt and he wears like the, the mid thigh shorts and the aviators and just his general look. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, you look and act exactly like a young Hunter Thompson. Yeah, he totally does. eh? like from when he was writing, when Hunter Thompson wrote the rum diaries, like that era, I just look at him. I'm like, I, I can't not see that. Yeah. That's he definitely weird. looks like Hunter S. We're just going to see where he goes with it though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, what he what he does after after school and you know, because he's got so much he's got so much passion. Yeah, he's definitely not going to settle. Like he won't. He's. I think the only thing that could ever get him into a cubicle is like six kids and a wife. Yeah. Like he'd have to do it for the money, but other than that, he just sounds like the guy. He won't. He won't settle. No, like he'll maybe take a cubicle job, like with the like the Natural Resources Defense Council or the ACLU or somebody like that to like help that kind of movement along. But he wouldn't take like a corporate lawyer job or anything like well, that. Well, I couldn't see him doing something that he didn't like for for too long. No, he just like, he, he seems very honest with himself, and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who could like work a job that he doesn't like. Uh, for too long. I mean, for a short period of time, he could. I mean, the guy lived in his car. He can probably work a job he doesn't like. But yeah. he'll be working towards something better, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the way he talks about things, you know, like even just the way he applies that kind of um, passion and everything to the rollerblading industry, you yeah. know. So if he, find, he finds another cause that, like, you know, he likes that much, 
you know, whatever, whatever, you know, nonprofit, uh, you know, safe society type of operation he'd be a lawyer for. But there's no way he's just going to go out there and just, you know, do something like I'm doing tax law for the IRS. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't suit him. (laughs) No, Uh, not unless like not unless there was some kind of like element of excitement to it. Because there, there can be ele- an element of excitement, like working those snaky jobs, like, I don't know. Oh, no. Ex- yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, most jobs, like, I've, you know, I've pushed carts at Walmart, but still the highlight of my day was just helping out people when they're just buying a new TV and being able to fit it in their little tiny car. Yeah. And just, oh, oh, thank you so much. I didn't have to deal with that. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then they just, that for me, I was like, oh. Oh, that that's cool. I made, you know, I did something for someone. Yeah, it was my job, but it's one less thing they had to worry about was trying to how to fit this TV into this car. Yeah, and totally. That, you know, it was a horrible job, but I mean, it's exactly what I should have been doing at 16. But yeah, there are those elements in like every job. Yeah. You know, they're satisfying. Even when I was a, yeah, when I was a newspaper reporter, we always said like you have to write 99 stories. You you'd you'd rather not write like boring, mundane ones covering city council. Yeah, but you do the job for that one hundredth story. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. The one you and can really in, get in into. In reality, you really can't expect every project that you work on to be really exciting in any job. It'd be a lot nicer if it was. It would be. Yeah, <laughs> we'd everybody would get along then. Life would be everybody would just be happy. Be like, what is yeah. it? My days are filled with meaning and purpose and passion every day. Yeah, unfortunately. The reason you get paid to do something usually, usually isn't because it's really fun or rewarding. Because if it was, then people would be doing it for free. Which might lead me, there were a lot of things that Michael said that I didn't agree with on that podcast. Oh, I imagine. A lot of... um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I shouldn't go into it too much, but... I was going to say, have him on. Yeah, he he he'd love yeah he'd love to talk. I would love to have him on. Yeah, but yeah, he said some. I mean, he said some you know very provocative things as far as and they were they were the kind of the sand drawn in the line. And yeah, some people might stand on the opposite side. You know, it's kind of that southern attitude. Like I've I've met a few like southern rollbiters, and they they all really seem to have that uh, that kind of tough mentality the you know there's a lot of hammers skating in the south and a lot of like strong opinions from from what i've from the people that i've met that are like southern rollerbladers they're very strong personalities oh i i agree with that yeah and i've I've spent time in the south not a lot but just enough to say i could spend some time down there and you're not far off in a, in a solid description of that. I mean, they still have Civil War reenactments. They're very, you know, some, they're very, this is the way we are. And, yeah. uh, you know, that Southern mentality has, is definitely in, uh, you know, I'm not going to say every, every rollerblader because it's just, but no. yeah, there are those dudes out there. They're gr- and I love them because they're such characters. Yeah. But yeah, they can be, you know, it's like the, you don't agree with me, get the fuck out kind of mentality. Yeah, it was really captured in the Rejects uh, DVDs. The, uh, like, I don't know, I don't, I, I only had very brief conversations with Dunkel, 
Charles Dunkel, but you could see in his skating, like he has actually, now that I think of it, the way that he moved his body was actually quite similar to Michael Broad. Um, but just that like tough, like, like they, it looks like they're not afraid to get in a scrap. They're just like a man, you know, like Michael Broad has that in his skating and, and so does Charles Dunkel. Yeah. And that's, it's a really hard way. It's a really hard thing to describe because that's another thing that reminds me of, of Gumby of Hunter Thompson is that like, just right. not afraid, just not afraid, just grab life by the balls. And yeah, yeah. All that skating where they're going so fast and they're just chucking themselves at these things that could just impale them. I mean, hearing Gumby describe that whole circle of Willis brains detachment thing that can happen oh when you God. fall that hard. And they just say, fuck it, like, every time. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, so we're talking about AT, uh, the ATL skaters. You know, you're, you're, if you're, I think your first rail has to be, like, this huge, gigantic drop rail. Always you got to move or something. Jesus. But those, but those dudes are, yeah, they're, they're tough. But, they, you know, like, you have your typical Southern guys, and Atlanta's a different place. But, like, you can get somebody like David Sizemore, who's, like, the biggest sweetheart. Yeah, I've never, never met David Sizemore. Mm. He seems like a sweetheart. Really nice dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then yeah, he's also, and then you have the other southern, the other aspect of the southern dude, where they're just, just tough motherfuckers. The best way I can put it. Yeah. Tough, even, even the way tough, he stubborn, spoke, and spoke the conviction. Like there was no hesitation. There was no like. There was no self doubt. It didn't. He didn't reveal much self doubt. It was just like, this is what I think, and. Fuck you if you don't like it. Type type attitude very confident jesus christ i admire confidence i really admire confidence confidence will get you way further than probably any other it's attribute true. it's in true. life yeah confidence is more more important than intelligence it's more important than skill. well and even it, confidence in, is, in, is everything <laughs> especially in skating when you're doing that kind of stuff where yeah. you know Gumby's Gumby's jumping off into whatever, you know, or uh, like Matty Schrock's a good example. He did that San Jose ledge challenge. You see that big, huge down ledge that he soul grinded? Yeah. Oh, my God. You have to have that, like, confidence. I, oh, even the first attempt that he went at, he just jumped at it. He had to be like, I have to be, I'm avo I have to avoid all of these stairs. I have to be completely honest. So essentially he just jumped to gauge it and then just slid on top of the ledge. But he had the confidence. It's like, this is what I need to do my first try. Jesus Christ. You know, it's having the confidence to even try that the first try. Yeah. Todd, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, okay. I can hear you, yes. Oh, sweet. Oh, speaking of confidence, I have no confidence in my technical abilities over here. Uh, well, you shouldn't because technology is flaky. Oh, I'm so against it lately. Against it? Oh, I'm so against it. Really? I've, I've I reached my technical know-how. I think like once the iPhone came out, because that's good. That's all we ever need, and then I've been fighting it ever since. Mm. Well, especially here, like in the Bay Area, where everything's all tech, 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 tech. Right. Uh, you know, uh, the day they debuted Google Glass, like the experimental ones, or they announced it, I was leaving work and I was walking through a park, and they were like. 200 people wearing them like just geeking out over them and it freaked me out it's a little like, freaky I, I, I saw yeah i saw the dystopian future and i was just I, I, my anxiety just kicked in and i'm like just 
get out of here now. Run. Yeah. It's only gonna get. It's only gonna get worse and faster and more change. It's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be that old dude fighting the first implant, no matter how much it may help me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking. I don't. I'm not sure if I would uh, become immortal. As much as I would like to live a very long time, like if if they if they had that technology, I might pass on that. But when your knees go and they say no more rollerblading, but we have this new robotic stuff that'll keep you skating. I'll take that shit. See, there you go. Fuck That's yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And then you shatter your old ass elbow and you take one of these. And then before you know it, you're a Robocop. Yeah. But you but know that's what? Fine. I would take that, but I think at the exact same time as that technology becoming like available to people, I think virtual reality will become indistinguishable from the normal reality, and people will just go skate in a matrix. And people, oh, I'm down for that. Yeah, that'd be sweet. And well, people, I'd people be such in a that better... people once that technology comes about, people are gonna be like, holy fuck! Like these people did. All this shit in the real world—that's these people were insane. Like, you're actually—you you actually risked your physical body to do these things. Like, fuck, we just do it in the matrix. Matrix—it's the exact same thing, but no pain. Why not? I mean, I'm down for that because all then all that matters is skating ability is what you can think of. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Because I can think of a lot of things, but it's, you know, what are what my body will agree to. So totally. if it's just, you know, if it's all cranial blading, I'm down. It's funny because they'll always, they'll be the people who are like, nah, it doesn't count, man. He did it in the Matrix. He didn't even do it in, in the real world. There was no risk. Doesn't count. And they'll like still yeah. do stuff. But yeah, I think, like I, I, think I would just do video it games. I would just do it in the Matrix. I mean, the exper- if the experience was the same... If it peaks the adrenals, yeah. Yeah. But it wouldn't as much. See, that's the thing, because you would know in the back of your head that it's just a simulation. And that there wouldn't be risk. So you would lose that element of danger. So it, it wouldn't be the same, you know? No, not at all. It's like, yeah to use the matrix analogy the people in there that felt the pain and then died they they didn't know they were in the matrix but yeah you know you're in the matrix then yeah you're gonna be like neo and just start flying just like oh it doesn't matter yeah you know all you're gonna get if if something goes wrong all it's gonna happen is the screen's gonna say game over yeah and if you know that then like part of the pleasure is that is that fear that you have when you're doing something um and and you're pretty confident that you can do it but in the back of your head you're also like there's a possibility that i could like fall and be in a lot of pain or i could disable myself or or something bad you know your your brain just plays all those tricks on you and part of the challenge is is having the confidence um despite those feelings and then doing it feels that that the glory of it is so intense because of that that real risk well yeah it's it's overriding your body's natural survival instinct i mean when we go when you're trying something you know is like out of your 
out of your, you know, out of your comfort zone. And so the, you know, the adrenaline starts kicking in or if you fall, like your body kicks in the adrenaline so it can escape danger. It's like, uh, you know, the feeling of if you go to the zoo and you see a lion behind the glass in a cage, you're not panicking like a guy in Africa who sees a lion outside of his hut. Exactly. And that lion, when the glass isn't there, that lion makes you better. Like that, like that fear, well, it, it the, makes it you so, perform. It sorts out the people who are bad quicker. Sorry? It sorts out the people who are bad quicker. That's the lion's job and all that. Well, it, whether or not you become, whether or not you become better, that's entirely up to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, I think good role biters or good athletes or whatever, they learn to channel that the fear of the lion or the fear of injury or, or, or whatever, they challenge, they channel it into like a heightened level of performance. It's like when you're getting chased by a lion, you can run a lot faster than if the lion wasn't there, you know, unless you're, unless you're crippled by fear. That's the other side of the, of the coin. But the, the people who learn to harness it, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a pill that it's a performance enhancing pill, um, that fear. So, so it's almost like in the matrix, there'd be certain people that wouldn't be able to skate as well. If you take away the, the, the risk factor you take away the the lion chasing them, then they won't be as sharp, you know? Especially stunt skaters. I think stunt oh, yeah. skaters like um, thrive on that on that adrenaline and that and that fear and it just makes them sharp. You know? Yeah, and so I imagine the feeling of people standing on like the the people that that do the nitro circus like happy and Yeah. Like I know Dave, Dave Lang and Wake Shetman, like them standing at the top of that ramp, like not only are they like risking, you know, the, the obvious injury of, you know, going that fast over that big of a gap, but also like the crowd around them, you yeah. know, you get all hyped up and then it's like the hype of the crowd, but also the fear of failure, like mixing together, like that's plus with the size of the stunt and what could happen should something bad go wrong all of that that's that's got to be a drug you can't find on the streets no no you would get very hooked on that oh yeah because yeah you're not gonna get that in a cubicle no yeah the cubicle (laughs) i used to i used to have yeah i used to have the cubicle job in san francisco and the, the thing that got me through it it's like it like decompressed me to the point like de like de-stressed me enough in the morning was like skate to and from work. That helps. And yeah, and it was That's it huge. was perfect because it would like de they would like de-stress me and calm me down enough like just waking up just being like oh son of a bitch I gotta go deal with this shit again, yeah. just taking me out of that so I get in the office I'm like oh hey what's up now yeah I did a soul grind on a curb I'm totally fine how are you yeah you know and then but then all that frustration and everything would build up. So by the end of the day, like when I put my skates on to go home, I'd have to burn it all off again. Yeah. (laughs) That was, yeah. I mean, that's for me, that's the the only way you can survive a cubicle job is to have something like that. That physical outlet. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean, that's kind of, 
Yeah, I, I don't work in a cubicle, but I do have a sitting job and yeah, skating or, or anything physical, even like even like a, a workout, just getting the blood flowing uh, is so important. I need it or else I just turn, I just get miserable. Oh, I feel you. I, I write for a living, so I'm, if I'm not sitting at a desk, I'm not technically working. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and that's why I got, at least I got my, 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 my savior is my dog. He's with me the whole time, and he's like half lab, half pit, and he's all energy. Nice. So if I, if I don't, I've learned if I have, to, I have to run him like early in the morning, otherwise by like 2 o'clock, like when my brain really starts getting into my groove, he'll just yeah. be a prick and yeah. just whine. And just it's just like when I was like, I got too much energy. Mm. <laughs> Go run. take me for a run, yeah. you know. Uh, I got like skating around the lake with him. He'll run and I'll skate, and that's, that's a lot good. Of fun. But that's yeah, good to have that that little guy to force you to do that. Oh, I'd be the worst. I'd just live at my desk if it weren't for him. Yeah, that's good. So, you you've been rollerblading for a long time, for like twenty years. You said in that podcast. Um, yeah, well, I always talk with people, like, it depends on, like, when do you say, like, start rollerblading? Is it, like, when you got your first pair of skates or when it was, like, you bought your first pair of aggressive skates and did your first grind? I mean, I got my first pair of rollerblades when I was eight. You know, I, oh, wow. I grew up playing, I grew up playing hockey, so yeah. rollerblades, as soon as they were invented, were, like, right on my feet. Yeah. But, yeah, I got started, I got started skating in, uh, 94, 95, like, you know, when the X, when the X games were the extreme games. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I, I, I mean, I ducked out for a while during college just to focus on college, and then when I got out of school, I was, I had a good job, and I had a girlfriend and everything, but it was, something was still missing, and I ended up getting involved with this uh, uh, church-run skate park. I got some skates, just got right back into it. Nice. So, yeah, it's been a major, it's been a major part of my life, and as soon as I got back into it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is what I've been missing. You know, this is, you know, I started taking pride at like, uh, you know, bleed, have had blood on my work desk because like a scat. Hello. Jesus. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sweet. Oh my God. I wonder what's uh, happening. I don't, do you have any sponsors for this podcast? Cause here's one, uh, anyone other than the Microsoft surface. <laughs> are you, are you, uh, using a surface? Yeah, I bought one. I needed one for my book. I needed something for this summer, and I could never justify buying an an iPod because it's a computer without a keyboard. I'm a writer. I need an, a keyboard. You mean an iPad? iPad. Sorry, yeah. what I'm saying. iPod. What an I thing about you know the size of a a, a, a lunch tray. Yeah. And uh, so I got it, and like, there's actually because if I go on here, I go onto the health app. There's like all these different things, and I wrote like a good chunk of it from my old company. So like my writing is actually on this device oh, wow. and it's been nothing but a piece of shit. <laughs> I've heard good things about the surface and it's, uh, it's, they're a lot cheaper than the iPads, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. That's and they nice have thing. like just as much storage and, but it, none it's of, a Windows none of like the, There's no real apps being developed for it that are useful. I mean, I I like it because it came with Microsoft Word and PowerPoint and spreadsheet, like all those things I have to use. Yeah. But I'm just not – I'm just so into the – I've been so into the cult of Mac for so long that I just forgot how all this shit works. Like when I was trying to – there's no – there's nothing readily available on the the screen just to double-check if it's connected with Wi-Fi. 
Hmm. That was my problem when I first started calling you. The computer wasn't saying, oh, hey, by the way, you're not connected to a network. It was just like, oh, you, if you don't know how to use me, then that's your own fault. I'm not telling you. <laughs> We're app, that's why we gave babies iPads because they'll figure out how to use it. And, yeah. you know, technologically speaking, I went backwards to being a baby. <laughs> I'm okay with that, though. Yeah. It's uh it'll just get easier and easier. So really you don't have to put much effort in. Let the technology catch up to you. See, like but you're smart though. You you have a kid, right? I do. That doesn't mean I'm smart. <laughs> no, but that means you have a future IT department for your house. Right. Cuz that kid's going to stay up on the technology. Once that kid gets to be like, "Oh, hey, dad, let me show you how to program this remote which will not exist ever again." But, you know, the once he knows how to do that, you're like, oh, good. I don't have to do shit except call you to come fix me, fix my stuff. Yeah. You know, hey, I got a new computer. Show me how to use it. That's their job now. That's what young kids are for. That's true. Yeah. You just got to wait like 12 years. How old's your kid? Two. So, yeah. Wait about, about 10 years. years. 10 years. 10. Yeah. That'll be really exciting. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little... Uh... Like, I'm, I'm trying to keep her away from the technology. That's smart. Um, it's just like an iPad, like, with a game on it. That shit is just so addictive for a, for a young mind. Like, I see so many kids that are just so glued to, to, their, to their games. And I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's healthy for children to, like, live in the real world for a while. Like, go play. Go get dirty. Go, you know you know go play with worms and stuff like that you know like you have all your whole life to fuck around with technology um like develop an imagination you know but yeah. it, i actually read that the canadian pediatric society recommends that children under 2 don't use ipads or or technology or computers of any kind for that reason or video games or anything just cuz it's like it's just so addictive. You know, they well, don't know how to deal with it. Well, look, if your brain is raised on this, all because of the thing, the iPad compared to a baby, it's just like one of those, like it's, it's a window into another world. Yeah. And it's that world, they can, they can, pretty they sounds can, and they can inter interact with it. It's like crack exactly. for a baby. Jesus. And then you're like, oh, here, hey kid, here's some mud and a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have fun with that. You know, that's like asking someone, hey, do you have any heroin? They're like, no, but I have this cigarette. Yeah. It's mm. like, mm, that's not what I was asking for. Yeah, but if you if you never had heroin, then a cigarette is pretty good. It's pretty nice. It's getting me by. I haven't accelerated to, to heroin yet, I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm good without that. Yeah, I've, uh, I've never, never took heroin, but I'm sure it would be pretty sweet. I don't think you take heroin though. I think that's a, like it, it, it's it's doing. Cause I'm gonna take a little heroin, but like no, man, because like once you start, everybody's like once you start, you're you're just you know you do heroin now. Like you do it once, and like so that's the interesting way the the drug nomenclature I think yeah. floats. I don't know because I you can like... take acid and then you yeah. leave it. Yeah. Heroin. I mean, same thing with meth. You don't take meth. You do meth. Yeah. You get to a le up, you get to a point in your life where, where that becomes an option. You have to you have to respect someone, 
who's like crazy enough to do math. I did it once. Did you? Yeah. Nice. What was it like? Uh, it was college and I was really dumb. <laughs> and this was like in the Midwest. And I was, cause for me, I was, I think I, oh yeah, I was a criminal justice major at the time, actually. Interesting. I was, stu- I was studying to be a police officer. There's a reason I changed my major. Um, <laughs> math. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, oh, I was, I, I was like, oh, you're like, you go from, cause I, I tried it when I was drunk yeah. and then instantly I was sober I didn't want to drink anymore, and I just wanted to find out where I could get more meth. Really? Yeah, and I did, like, so I, I did it the one night, and then I went to work, and I worked security at, uh, I don't know, maybe Fleet Farm, Farm and Fleet, any of those ring a bell? I don't know how far they reach north. They definitely reached California. No. It's like you can buy, like, it's a feed and, and hardware and redneck supply store. Okay. You can buy enough fertilizer and parts to blow up the federal building, or you can make a meth lab. Okay, like you, and you could buy a, you could buy a cattle prod if you wanted. Okay, so that's the place that they had me guarding, and I showed up on after my night of 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 doing this particular drug, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I should have called in. Holy shit, I'm here, and yeah, I ended up like going home early because we had to walk past this part where was uh, a wooden fence and a chain link fence. I had to like walk the perimeter. Yeah, so it's a very narrow pathway, and this was uh, there. There were bats hanging on the chain link fence. There, there really were bats. There really were bats. Like we had, like in one month in my house, uh, in this exact same town, I killed eleven bats that came into our house because it was right on the Mississippi River. Lots of mosquitoes, shitloads of bats. How do you kill them? Uh, my favorite method was hitting with a frying pan and then shooting with a pellet gun. Nice. Yeah. That sounds um, really fun. <laughs> not, not when, like, every time you come home, like, I had that set up on my speaker. So when I walk in my room, I'd be ready to fight off a fucking bat. So you just had the frying pan ready. Yeah. <laughs> and so I already have a phobia of bats because one night I woke up and one was laying on my chest. Oh, God. They're the creepiest little – I don't think I've ever seen one in real life, but it's like a fucking flying rat. It's a flying rat. Oh, but God. The That's only terrifying. reason we – me and my buddies were able to get this college house because a slumlord bought it after the guy that lived there got bit by a bat, got rabies, and died. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. So Swiss cheese brain, all this. And I'm already gone on meth. And as I'm walking down this <laughs> fence and there's all these bats. And I'm just like, I'm not going back by that shit. I'm not emotionally stable enough to do that right now. Methamphetamine is not a drug to fuck with. I'm going to go home. Yeah. So I so did that. does it... What does it feel like? Is it just, does it give you a lot of energy? Because it's like speed. It gives you a lot of energy. The funny thing is that I, I, I did meth that one time before I even tried cocaine. Because if I was going to try cocaine, I was like, I don't want to get used to cocaine because I would love it. Yeah. Because it's a stimulant. I'm like, I just buy an eight ball and write a book. Yeah. Not For writers. I hear oh, yeah. There's tons of writers that are just hooked on it because it's just great for the writing. Yeah. If, so to compare those two highs, like cocaine just makes you feel like, like oh, I'm alive. I'm, uh, I, I, I feel spiritual. Like I want it. I want, I want to fuck something. Yeah. You know, you feel very primal and everything. And that's why people get in fights. And that's why, you know, like, you know, it's, it's just, it gets you kind of primal. Methamphetamine just gets you just stupid. 
stupid. Like, like you get a lot of energy, but you get really dumb. Not even like drunk dumb where you're like, I'm going to do something and regret it later. But it's like dumb, like I'm going to do something because my brain isn't working, but it's very awake. Whoa. It's like being a, a zombie who drinks a shitload of coffee. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't do anything too weird, but, like, the people I was hanging out with to continue to consume this drug this one night, it was great. And I wrote a short story about it, and it's actually – it's kind of a popular short – it's, like, one of my more popular things I've ever written. Yeah. And it was based entirely off this situation with, of course, you know, since it's fiction, I had to embellish certain points and give it a better plot structure. But just that whole idea of you're just awake. It's like you could see your your heartbeat in your vision. And then when you're done, you're just like, how do I get that again? I want more of that. Like, that's the addictive thing. You just want to keep going and going and going. And that's, you know. And then it's also like the faces of meth and what happens to meth heads and stuff. I was like, no. But I had to at least try. Yeah, it doesn't have the best reputation. No. No. I mean, I was just, uh, uh, I heard that, uh, I heard on my buddy's podcast that uh, they were talking about Nelly the Rapper that got arrested for meth and his defense was like that. No, it was Molly. And their whole gag on that was because Molly has a better street rep than meth. Cause as a rapper, you can do, you can do Molly and it's cool. You put in a song, but yeah, Nelly's not going to come out with a rap song that says, you know, I'm on, I'm on meth. I'm on meth. Yeah. It's not that it's not a cool, it's not, it's not a cool drug. It's a dark drug. No. Oh, I do want to point out, as long as I completely ripped off that bit from my buddy's podcast, that's the Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks podcast. Hmm. In case anyone wants to listen. So that's what the podcast is called? Yeah. The Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks? Yes. This is... It's, this, a, very, it's a very American show. Nice. This is a, a friend of yours? Yeah. It was like when I got uh, interested in podcasting, because I'd like listen to you guys and stuff like that, and I listened to a couple comedians, and then my buddy... Started his podcast and he got brought on as a guest for this one and now he's a regular on it. And it's yeah. just, I like it because it's always just like, you know, this is my first conversation I've ever had with you. Yeah, But I've heard weird, eh? converse with so many other people that I'm like, oh, I know Todd. Yeah. You know, so when I hear my buddy's podcast, I'm like, oh, oh, it's like I'm just hanging out with my buddy Travis. Yeah, I'll crack open a beer. I'll listen to their live, their live show. And it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's super fun. It's the invasive nature of podcasts. Yeah. You, well, yeah, you learn more about a person by listening to them on a podcast than in, like, any other medium, like mm-hmm. video or or um, writing or anything. It's so revealing. Yeah. And, and you really feel like, like, I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm a huge podcast fan. And you just kind of feel like you're a part of the conversation in a way. You're just a yeah. fly on the wall and... It's, uh, and, and, and the other thing is like, it's actually, I guess it's more common for women, but like, it's pretty rare to just sit down with a friend or, or someone and just talk for like two hours straight without any distractions, you know? Well, guys, guys know it's much easier to do it if there's, if there's alcohol involved. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Um, Alcohol like helps women, a lot. women women have their real t- retail therapy as as they call it you know and yeah and they but you know your wife has friends right yeah and but she does common activities with them right and same thing with like when you go skating with someone 
we're not sitting down and doing exactly nothing, but like when you're hanging out with your buddies, like you know more about your skating buddies than just what their soul grind looks like. You spend so much time together. Like that's the way we do our thing. Right. Like I use my skate buddies as therapists. Yeah. You know, like we're talking, you know, I'm having a bad week and kind of talk it out and skate it out. And then you're like, all right, that was a good therapy. You know, we just don't need to talk as much. Exactly. It, it's a good combination skating of like a physical activity with some like jokes and some therapy. Yeah. And, it's so you know, important to have that man therapy. Fuck, I would die without the man therapy. Yeah. Because I live with women. And and there's there's woman therapy, which is nice. But man therapy is crucial. Oh, I think there's... Yeah, you definitely need to balance, but it's... You have to... You know... Uh, the women may, the, may make jokes about it, and guys make jokes about the way that women hang out, but... Yeah, we need to hang out with our own our own type. I mean, yeah. if you look at us, how many, how long ago were we still hunters and gatherers? That's what guys did. The women hung out. The like the women were the the you know the gatherers and the homemakers and guys. We went out every day. And we're gonna go risk our lives. Yeah, rollerblading has that exact same thing. We're all gonna go out to the same place and we're gonna essentially risk our lives together. But that's how we're gonna bond. Yeah, totally. Maybe, we don't need yeah, to sit in one. We, we don't sit in one spot and chit chat because if we do, a predator is going to get us. Right, or we'll scare away our potential uh, food. Yeah, so we would go out and be very quiet. But there is something so satisfying about the about going on a like an adventure, like with the boys, like hopping in the car, going somewhere, having kind of like a mission you know, of, of going and, and filming something or even just skating or whatever it is. And yeah, doing something that's kind of scary, but it's exciting and it's physical and it's hard. It's, it's not, uh, an easy but, thing. And that, that's the new hunt. Yeah, it totally is. You go, we're going to go, we're going to go capture some footage. Yeah. Hunt for some footage. Yeah, exactly. You get like, it. We're going to go, you go hunt, you go hunt for spots and then you capture the image. Voila, that's dinner on the table. <laughs> yeah. That's but that's the primal shit that we've. It's so you know, true. Our, it's so true. It's just it's got kind of, us this far. It's just kind of funny how it's like a, yeah, it's like a leftover instinct in us, but we've just like completely changed the activity because we don't need to go hunt. I mean, hunting, I've I haven't done it, but it's it sounds cool and fun and whatever. But for most of us, we can just go to the grocery store and get our food. So. We have this like void where we're like, okay, there's this thing that's in me that wants to go out and like do something, but I don't need to hunt. So I'll just go like put rollerblades on <laughs> but just still, and like still... do risks for no reason, but it's fulfilling this like primal instinct that I have. It's still activating the same centers of those brains. Right. Like, I, I will say, like you said, um, uh, these leftovers, you know, right. we're talking about these, but so how much has society changed versus like we evolved to be a certain way. We evolved because whoever could run the fastest, whoever could, you know, like for through strategy of eat or be eaten. That's how we got to the top of the food chain. That's how we got where we are. And then all of a sudden we decided, all right, we're going to stay here we're going to farm this part and we're going to hunt the lands around us, the, the, the advent of, of civilization. Yeah. 
And then now, in a very, very short period of time of evolution, we put us in boxes. Yeah. Okay, you live – okay, you, you're right now where you are in your home. You're in a box inside a larger box. Yeah. And then if you live in a subdivision, <gasps> they're shaped like a box. Yeah. And then when you're – for your day, you go, in, you go into another box. A driving and then, box. In a smaller box, and then, but then it's a, if, if you're a driver, it's a windshield or a computer screen or whatever, there's your other box. Yeah. You know, um, I do a lot of medical reporting. One of my favorite things on this is uh, ADHD. It's a major problem with children, right? Yeah. But one of my favorite studies I ever covered, and it was one of the, I got to actually interview the, the, the lead researcher. He was talking about how ADHD. Because there's a theory that ADHD might be one of those leftover things, but it was a very useful survival trait. Right. People, people with ADHD, whether they, oh, they can't sit still. They want to stare out the window. They want to go, but they, they learn how to, you know, they learn better with their hands. They don't learn by being, by memorizing and to a standard test. Yeah. They learn by being shown the way that with your, you know, your wife with your daughter would be showing her every day. Like, oh, I'm not going to, okay, I'm going to go teach, I'm going to go send you over to this lady to teach you how, and you're going to sit in a group and they're going to show you pictures of pottery. And then at the end, you're supposed to be able to make pottery. Now, yeah. they'd be sitting with them every day. Fear, feel the, feel the clay. Can you feel how it's, it's getting closer? So that's how we were brought up to learn. Right. So this one study this guy did, he, um, he looked at um, people, or I'm sorry, the, the, the tribe in Africa. Um, genetically similar, but one decided, hey, we're going to do the civilized schools and job thing, and the other ones are like, cool, we're going to keep being nomadic hunters and gatherers. And they compared the DNA of them and everything, and they found out the ones that showed the same, like genetically similar to the people that were considered ADHD in the civilized society, their cousins over on the hunter-gatherers ones had more body fat, which means they were healthier. Like, if you're sedentary, body fat is bad. But if you're running around, that means because you're a good hunter, there's extra food around. You know, you've, you're well fed. Right. And so they determined, like, the traits of ADHD, well, they, they theorized, they didn't determine, but they theorized that the traits of ADHD, not being able to sit still, always need to be moving, those are really good skills in a hunter, or especially if you're on the African plains. If you can't sit still and you're always twitching and you're always scanning and looking, that's really awesome. If you're looking for, if you're worrying about lions trying to eat you, yeah, you know sure. these. So these traits that were useful in a former way of life, humans changed to be a certain way, and then we completely changed society. Right. So what used to be a skill is now considered deficit. Yeah. And of course, I say all this because I was one of those kids that medication was pushed on me, and I rejected it. But now as an adult, I'm like, actually, no, yeah, Ritalin does kind of settle me down. And it helps me able to focus when I need to focus. Yeah. But that kind of stuff is known to kill creativity and all these other things because you just get focused on the task at hand, not, you know, you're not daydreaming out the window about what you could be doing better with your time. Yeah. I've always been you know? very skeptical of of ADHD as like a, like I can understand it as as an illness that like um, disables a person's ability to like deal with the, yeah, the way the world is to an extent like, um, but I think that that angst that people have that might cause twitchiness and like an inability to sit still, I think that can be such a good thing. 
like if it's channeled properly, you know, like really a lot of it is, it just boils down to like, okay, the kid's fucking bored. He doesn't want to be doing what you're forcing him to do. So is that, that's a problem in your eyes because he's acting up in class or he's not following along with your curriculum. But that kid, if he was in a, like you said, if he was in a different environment where, where his, where these urges and stuff were, if he was, if he was, um, encouraged or if, or if he was given something that he really enjoyed, you know, he would be thriving. It's just a matter of the, the environment not lining up with the person. So do you give that person pills or do you fucking change his environment? Do you, do you give him like a a program that's more aligned with who, who he is or like do give him stuff that excites him, put him in sports or, you know, like a lot of men, a lot of guys have a huge problem fucking sitting in a class, like 14 year olds, 15 year olds. They have so much energy. They just want to go out and play. It's because they eliminated recess. Jeez. They were smart. They were smart when we were younger. They're like, you get, you get recess, lunch, and recess. And then yeah. you go home. Because our, our you get 15 school? minutes just, ah! and then the like, teacher's like, oh my God, this is after recess. Yeah, you're, you get to settle down, but you're way more manageable because yeah. you got to go be a crazy kid. Well, my, my elementary school, actually, Joey and my, the elementary school we went to was so smart. Every before lunch, every day, as long as it wasn't like s- snowing, so every day, like in the spring and the fall, we did what we called the Billy Goat Run. And it was like a run, like a five or if you did it in five minutes, that was excellent. It was a run through the mountains. Most people did it in like six to 10 minutes. But it was like a serious run, and every kid in the school had to go do it. Even the kids that were overweight, even, you know, everyone had to go do it. And you, you got out that energy. Like, and I don't, I don't, I haven't heard of a school doing that nowadays. Probably, I don't know, there might be some kind of liability issue or something, but. You get one kid to twist his ankle and it's over. Jesus. Or one parent now, well, in America, it'd be like, well, my son has an allergy to air so he can't go outside and if he's the only one that can't go outside then he's going to feel alienated yeah. and you wouldn't want to make him feel alienated because he's allergic to air would you exactly. so no everyone's got to stay inside yeah something like that yeah exactly but wow. that's one thing i want to know um because my my girlfriend and i are uh talking about having a a child in the near oh. future oh <clears throat> yeah, I know. Getting serious. I get, I, I'm going to have to, uh, well, first thing that's going to have to go are the cigarettes. That's all I know. <laughs> that's going to be the hardest part. So I'm just like, oh, I'm going to be a father and I'll quit smoking at the same time. Why? Because fuck it. What yeah. I want to know from you, though, since you're a dad. Yeah. How do you deal with other parents? I mean, you guys are all Canadian, so you're generally more well-balanced than anyone south of the border of yeah. you. Uh, but how do you just deal with, yeah, those like really shitty parents? You know, I I really haven't had any bad experiences with shitty parents. Uh, the, I've been like a, and and um, my daughter's still really young, so the, I don't know. The possibility of any kind of conflict is pretty slim at this point. People are like really understanding of like young kids, 
you know, at least like around here. Um, I've been really impressed with how cool um, parents are for the most part. I think like my experience has been that I think people are kind of more like accountable because they're they're around their little one and, and they they know that they're kind of setting an example for the little one. So like me personally, I, I feel like I want to be really friendly to people in my interactions in front of my daughter, you know, yeah. I want, I want her to look at that and say, okay, that's how you deal with people is you are friendly with them and they are friendly back. And, and it's a nice thing. Like people are nice. You know, I don't want to have confrontation in front of my daughter, you know? Um, so who know? like my answer to that question might be different when she's, you know, six, seven years old. Yeah, and, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, and, yeah. and there's more, uh, like, if she's like causing trouble or beating kids up or whatever. Um, but you know, she, she was. Uh, there was a period of time where she was beating up some of the boys at her daycare. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know, when when they're like, she was like one and a half years old. You know how how angry is a parent gonna get? You know. That hey, your she's daughter. Like, she like she like drop kicking fools and shit. Um, I don't know. I think she was like, like hitting them and and then laughing. She she grew out of it. Thank oh, God. Oh yeah, that's but, good. Like, the boys like they just didn't know how to deal with it because she would just like harass them, and she just, I mean, it was like fun loving, right? It was just like, it wasn't like she was meaning to hurt them, but she was just playing. But I guess playing kind of rough and yeah. Yeah, she didn't know what the hell she was doing. Yeah, at all. so we stopped watching UFC at home. But, <laughs> <laughs> but first uh, words of first yeah. words of Ron Rousey, and then she socks a dude. Yeah, to, yeah, but yeah, parents parents have been really impressive to me. Yeah, that's I, that's my greatest fear. Is you know, I've had you know, I'm 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 nervous, so nervous about just the idea of it. Yeah. Because as soon as I think about that, I'm like, all right, it's a job I can never quit. And then I immediately, my brain just goes like, let's think about every time you messed up doing a job. Let's just, let's just think of every failure. Oh God. Ever had. Oh yeah. And just remember they're little sponges that are all, they're just little, little, they're always recording. Yeah. Always watch. I'm just like, Whoo. it's a bad feeling when you fail and you know that you failed. It is really harsh <laughs> we were uh we i took a family vacation to mexico and we were having like a awesome time swimming in the pool my daughter's just like laughing away having a great time it's sunny and beautiful and great moment my wife gets up to go i don't know grab like the camera or, or something and while she's gone my daughter was like reaching for the edge of the pool and we had been in I've, I've been taking her to swimming lessons and one of the things that we did was putting putting them up on the edge of the pool and then letting them like jump back in and you catch them yeah, yeah. it's i don't know yeah so i put her up but then she got away from me and she actually stood up on the edge of the pool and started running along the side of the pool oh my god and you know i was still in the pool so i had to like jump out as quick as i could and she's just laughing. She thinks it's hilarious. She like she can run. This little girl. She's she's sprinting along the side of the pool, 
and I'm, I'm chasing after her and she's doing fine until she hits like a patch of water and she just totally fell back and just cracked her head on the side of the pool and obviously just started crying and right away she like puked everywhere. And I tell you like that feeling of like, holy shit, I am the dad and I just let her, I let her go. I, you know, like I, now I will never like let her go. Like when we're at the pool, like I'm holding her hand, like so firm, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck up like that again because the feeling of just like guilt and oh my God, like I just fucked up. Oh, it's terrible. Like worse than fucking up at any job or anything. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's a terrible fear of mine to to let her down as a dad. And that, that's, that's gotta be the hardest part. Cause you gotta balance that. Just be like, I remember that time you slipped through the pool and you hit your head and I fell over. And then, but still balancing it with then age appropriate. Like I never want to see you hurt again. And then age right. appropriate, like you're, but you're dealing with a girl though. So that, that can be, oh, you know, like as, 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 as a guy, we're like, we have an understanding of how guys are. Right. We have, you know, even if we're shining, you know, could be shiny, think of ourselves as shining examples of, of you know, being a, a decent man. We also know all the gamut of people that are out, all the That's dudes the out thing. the world. The, the saying is when you have a boy, you only have to worry about one dick. And when you have a girl, you have to worry about all the dicks in the world. I, and I will say that the, the caveat to that joke, <laughs> you have to worry all but one. Because dad's got a dick. You should never have to worry about dad's dick. That's right. You don't have to worry about that one. See? That's what I'm saying. You have to worry about all but one. All but one. Yeah. Just for that way to insert that weird tinge of, you know, parental pedophilia to it. Just to make make it weird. That is good. But the... My resolution to deal with all of that is to try to give her as much love as possible. I want her to feel very loved by her daddy so that um, she She'll never has a stripper. To, so she never has to go like looking for male attention because like all the like crazy promiscuous girls it's all the same thing it's all like they didn't get enough attention from their dad they didn't get that validation you know like so many smart women that I know have really good dads you know like it's so important for a woman to have a good dad Yes. It's one of the most important things. Like, it's important for a guy to have good parents, but I just think, like, that relationship, like a daughter and a, and a dad is so crucial to the, to the girl's development. It's where it's they have like, the daddy-daughter dance at a wedding. Yeah. You know, because it is that important. No, like, I, I, I dated, I, I went through some bad relationships, and then I, I did the math, and then after a while, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be nice to myself and I'm no longer going to date a girl that doesn't have a positive relationship with her father. It's very true. As and harsh as that re- sounds. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I'm sure there's some very nice girls out there who, who don't have a good relationship with their dad, but as a general rule of thumb, that is a, that's a red, that's a warning signal. Just look at the data. Yep. Look at Just the data. Just look at the data. Yeah. It's not a stereotype if the data proves it. Then it's, it's a true. fact. It's true. You might want to turn the other way and run as fast as you can. 
if uh <laughs> I mean, not right away. You got to get like a good couple nights in there. Oh yeah, because yeah. you know they're yeah. A do freak. that. Yeah, do that. But, but then when it comes to stay, like, don't hey, overstay. you want to go have brunch with my friends? Then you just become perpetually busy until they get the hint. Yeah, just be careful. Be careful, like they're they're. Yeah, don't give them a key to your place or anything. Yeah. Yeah, don't give them a key. Yeah. Um, it's scary though. The scary. Use world. a fake name if you can. Jeez, I'm glad I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy that that those days are over for me because I me just too. I just get me myself too. in trouble. You, I I think about all the times that I just tolerated such horrible company in hopes that I would get some action, and it's just so depressing to think about all those hours wasted and it's kind of dark. It's you you are not alone at all. <laughs> It's so, no, it's not, it's not dark. For me, it was, it was like the action, but then also like the affection when they were in a good mood. You know, you take right. so much yeah, abuse, yeah. but then like, oh yeah, well they're not, nor-, you know, when you start saying to your friends like, totally. well, they're not normally like this and when we're together and then it's like, wait, wait a minute, if I was a girl and I was saying this thing, I'd be like, that's like apologizing for abuse. It's just, it's yeah. like emotional, it's, uh, the term is emotional hijacking. Yeah. You know, just like it doesn't matter what's going on. All that matters are my emotions right now. So if I'm in a bad mood, everything sucks. You're horrible, blah, blah, you know, and then it is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got a really fucked up relationship with your dad. Yeah. Like you may not like him and stuff like that, but you still would do anything to seek his approval. Totally. And that's, you know, again. And that's not my fault. I'm not your father. It's the easy. It's the easiest way to watch like nice dudes turn into like not nice dudes. Yeah, with girls. I've been there too. There's something about the women can can make a man like just turn him into a rage dick, just into an asshole. Rage dick or guys. complete pussy or or a pussy. Like the nicest guys can be turned into just like a raging just. Fuck you! Ah! Like a it, monster. Or yeah, the opposite. Just a just a just a slave to their bitch. Go up go into like any metalhead bar and you could get some of the best stories in the world just by walking up to them. Granted, you know, if you gotta do it with the right approach so you don't come off as a prick, but just be like, So what was her name? Yeah. That's all it is. And it might you know, I I know lots of plenty of metalheads and they can name those girls' names and they can name the things and all of a sudden this music and wearing black and everything just made them feel better. Oh yeah. Because it was just like they were just so fucking angry. Yeah. That's I mean, that's, that's that's so important for for guys and girls like to learn how to deal with relationships and how to like have a little bit of personal sovereignty within it like yeah you get so wrapped up in that relationship and it seems so intense like in so many different ways like you you can you're dealing with breakups and you're dealing with like just that that wanting that youthful just lust and like all you want is is that girl and it kind of it can like just passion it can just cloud you you know it can cloud yeah, you your, get drunk off of it. it yeah yeah you're it can it fucks people up and it, it and then like the search for it like when you're not getting it the the pursuit of like having a nice car and having nice clothes and looking good so that you can attract 
that female, like that desire and that urge can lead to just such bad life decisions, you know, like it's such an important thing to learn how to manage, I guess, sexuality in general and relationships. Cause man, they, they can be really, they can be really awesome. They can feel great, but they can also be really depressing or really, um, they never end well. Rarely do they. That's right. That's well, at right. least for at least for me, like yeah, yeah, like the way you're talking about it. Like I've I had a couple of those relationships, and I'm just like, you know, if I saw their number pop up on my phone or they send me a Facebook message, I'm not like, oh, oh. That's no, like when I was like, oh fuck, because it is. Yeah. You get so emotionally attached, but then you like you kind of. For me, I I would just I could become just a lovesick puppy turned yeah. doormat so quickly. It was horrible. That is horrible. I mean, that's what I, uh, I went through one of those relationships when I lived in Iowa, and that's 98% of the reason of why I'm out here. Because it would, you know, we went through a bad breakup, and she was like just horrible to me. Oh. And then a couple of weeks ago by, and she hit me up, and I'd suck her back into it, and it was just horrible. So I'm like, oh, I gotta get, yeah. I have to physically move away from you, which is fine because I was also like, you know, the, oh, what am I doing with my life? I'm so unhappy. What do I want to do before? I've always wanted to live in California. Fuck it, I'm going. Nice. So it was a good and a bad thing. But then it came yeah. out here and I got in a, a, another one of those relationships. And then I, after that one, I was like, I had to take the time and be like, all right, here's what's important to me. Here's what I'm going to do. And if I can find someone to mesh with that as I am. Right. Cool. Yeah. And I'm in that relationship. Like, nice. you know, uh, so, you know, I'm in the last relationship I'm, I hopefully will ever be in. Wow. And. But that's the difference. I'm doing my thing. She's doing her thing. We got a place together. That's why I'm outside in my garage. Yeah. Because when we were looking for a house together, she even said early on, like, she's like, you need your space to go write and do your thing. Wow. Yeah. And that for me, it was like, holy shit, you're like, you're considering what my needs are to make me happy. Yeah. And that's why I realized I wasn't, I'm, I'm not dating. I wasn't dating a girl. I was dating a woman. Nice. <laughs> Done dating girls. <laughs> Done dating girls. Done dating girls forever. Yeah. Just got a good got a good woman. That's great. Like th- th- that's you know. That's why like dudes write great rock songs about their good women. That's true. You know, they got those those good women. Blue songs are writing about written about you know, losing that good woman. Oof, that's tough. That's yeah. But yeah, there's there's definitely that you know we have that need and everything and. You know, every dude as at a young age when he hits puberty and everything, all it is is like I want to spread my seed. So, yeah, when your brain's all junked up and that like pro just procreate, procreate, pro, like just not procreate, but just fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna do some stupid things, and you know you're gonna stick your dick in crazy a couple times. Why? Because it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. But but the the best advice I can give like young boys, kids, teens, whatever. Um. Mm. Before you go out, jerk off. Yes. It just like it's the equalizer. It just like that's, that's from something about so Mary. much power. Otherwise, oh man, if you go out and, and and you're that guy that's just like you you see the girls and you're just like oh they're just this like perfect treasure that you just like like you always you, like there's always like the 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 room of like a few guys hanging out having beers and it's it's fun they're telling jokes and then a hot chick walks in. It all changes. 
because all, when all the guys, all they're thinking is like, oh, I wonder if she likes me. I want to get with that. Like, the, it's it's no longer the purity is gone. You know, and I'm not saying it's not fun. Like it, those those things. Like, yeah, it can be really fun, but f- for the most part, for a, for a lot of stuff, it like it takes the the girl has all the power because she's oh, got yeah. she's got that what you want. She's got a vagina. She's got a vagina. But if you just jerk off before you go out, well, you know, the vagina, it's nice. But, hey, whatever, you know, my needs are taken care of. <laughs> or that, just like, hey, I'd like to get with that. But you know what? Yeah. I'm not going to try as hard. Yeah. It's not It's not that important. I mean, if it happened, that'd be great. But, you know, yeah. if not, I'll, I'll be sitting here having beers with my boys. I'm, I'm good. If she does that whole, like, standing next to the bar, she's like, aren't you going to buy me a drink? And she's like, no. <laughs> well, because, one, if you're like, aren't you going to buy me a drink? Just being like, I'm a feminist, ma'am. Uh, you could also extend that offer my way. That's true. Yeah. Also. See, it's funny that that a, never you came changed. came to a bar, though. you should have brought money. Yeah, it's funny that that never But changed. if you haven't jacked off, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, you want 10? Uh-huh. I brought Luffy's. Exactly. Your brain, you're not going to be able to think straight. You got to get that that demon so juice out of you. It's it's serving that primal part of the brain. Yep. You got you got you got to you got to get rid of them so you can. Uh, you, well, it's like you know the Hulk. That's yeah. Get the you rage know? out. Yep. Just you relax. Just let the let the Hulk hang. Like just let the Hulk do his thing. Yeah. And then you can bring him up anytime you need him. But that's just, it's it's so fucked up that like in so many cultures or religions like masturbation is considered a bad thing i grew up catholic dude yeah me too first time i jerked off i felt horrible like i yeah. felt like i was going to hell yeah <laughs> that but that was that was that was the whole same thing as the first you know before you go out for the night and jerk off because i didn't feel like i was going to hell while i was doing it yeah when i first figured it out i'm like holy shit this is awesome this and is then awesome, when i was yeah. done the guilt kicked in yeah like you're it was, going straight i wouldn't feel guilty at all during it yeah but yeah, that was I grew yeah, Catholic. It's it's the shaming. It's the shaming what of sexuality. A, what a backwards way of thinking that you would like cause how fucked in the head, like if, if okay, if if there was like a, a twenty year twenty one year old guy that existed that actually had never jerked off and had never had sex, how fucked up would that guy be in the head? Like if he was like killer. hardcore Catholic, like jerking off, I'll go straight to hell, I can't do it. How fucked would you be in the head? How how perverted would you get? And you you obviously you hear about the the priests and all that, like the repression. It just turns people like it just fucks your brain to repress those urges that much. But yeah, that was the weirdest thing about being a Catholic kid. And like, well, if you masturbate, you're going to hell. And I'm like, aren't some of your like coworkers fucking boys in the face? Yeah, I really don't think you guys are qualified. Because, like, I got the talk. Like, the talk about sexuality, I got it from a priest in fifth grade. Oh, God. And even in fifth grade, my smart-ass little brain was like, you want me to speak on fixing a car next? I don't know how to do that, and I've never done it, but as long as you're talking about sex, sure. You've <laughs> ne- supposedly never had it. Yeah. And you're the one telling me about how it works? Yeah, you're telling me how it works? So, I don't think okay, so. so yeah, I'm I'm not allowed to masturbate and I'm not allowed to have sex until I get married. So these days, like people aren't getting married till they're like 30. I mean, it that 
that actually that law might have worked when people were getting married when they were like 13 yeah but so okay so i and they didn't have and they didn't have contraceptive around to prevent those types of things yeah you know because then they're just like we just need to cut down the amount of bastard babies going around so yeah it's like oh you gotta get married first they just want suckers you're late for life have babies as soon as possible but yeah it's 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 very backwards so my advice would be the opposite to to jerk off as much as possible especially like before public before going out not in public though not in public there you go see i'm just saying you're saying these things it's you good. Know, yeah, you're you're good with the impressionable uh, listeners. You're good with the small print. <laughs> I was hanging out with Gumby. He's gonna be a small print lawyer, so it was that's, helpful. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I need a I need small print always, or else my uh, my words can be mis misconstrued. I'll just, yeah, we can we we can do that. I'll just hop in and be like uh, <clears throat> as uh, Mr. McInerney's lawyer, I'd uh, yes. like to clarify what he meant by that statement oh you don't have them in canada the the pharmaceutical drug ads you ever seen an american pharmaceutical drug ad um do we not have them i we it's yeah. illegal in your country direct, Are they? Direct, yeah it's um um only united states and new zealand have direct consumer advertising for pharmaceutical drugs because i have seen advertising for drugs it just oh, really? it, it, it must just be like certain certain ones because we do get ads like for um different antidepressants and oh maybe okay maybe i'm wrong then um, i could have yeah i'm not sure about but you that. always hear the you always hear the guy at the end of the ad yeah with the side it's effects. like uh may cause side effects of uh blindness uh sexual <laughs> dysfunction blah, 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 blah. and then he's like like uh, like reading like he's auctioning off cattle yeah that's what you just need at the end of your podcast. You just need somebody to do that. So you could say all this shit and then just pick at the end. Uh, the How to Be Unpopular podcast was like... And then boom, legally covered. That's... Yeah. That would help. But then again, the First Amendment is kind of a fun thing. So you're protected under most of that. Yes. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not really concerned with uh, with the law. With, with legal uh, repercussions surrounding a podcast. I guess it, no. it only becomes an issue when you're, like, making money. But even, even so, I don't... Yeah. When, when, in terms of speech, like, we're very lucky for where we live, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I'm more lucky than you are. I mean, um, if you want, I could I start... Whip, just, I can start rambling off some, some code words that'll get you on an NSA list if you want. Um... That wouldn't even freak me out too much, considering <laughs> that I, I mean, that would be more of a concern for you. Oh, well, um, sir, this is being broadcast over uh, international Oh, yeah, borders. I know, but, but <laughs> as a resident. I'm not, too, I'm not too concerned either. I'll, say, I'll save all of my concern for anything, like, you know, the day that we have to, that's the beautiful thing, at least with podcasting, is there's, you know, we don't have to worry about the FCC. Right. Or the uh, the Canadian equivalent of oh well you can't say that bad word and you can't say this like I had a radio show with my but a morning radio show in our college town it was like I, in college for no credits no nothing just for fun I'd wake up at five a.m. to do a morning radio show nice and in like my first two weeks I got my first complaint from the FCC 
Really? And I was like, holy shit. We didn't even think anyone was listening, but we actually, you know. What so, exactly, like, but if you're a college student. What is the FCC? FCC is the F- uh, Federal Communications Commission. Um, this is, like, back in the day. So when radio, everybody was, you know, radio is this new invention, and this is the new way. Oh, screw newspapers. We got radio. Ha-ha. We're going to broadcast. And then but so many people were broadcasting on so many different signals that they were combining, and they just said, went to the government, like, can you please help us out? And so instead what they did is regulate them. So it just says like what you can, like words you can and cannot say on, on the air. And this is for radio. Yeah. This is for for radio, radio. not for podcasting, but this is going to broadcast over a radio frequency. Oh my God. Podcasting. So so there's like words that you can't say on the radio. Fuck shit, cock balls ass. Shit like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I I guess you can't swear on... On the radio, Could you imagine like if you were like sitting like in your in your, in your office and they just have the local radio station on, and like you know they're not even like a prank caller like trying to sneak something in because that's why radio stations have an eight second delay. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm just be like, so who do we have on the air? Eh, this is Cunty McFerguson. Just be like, oh, oh, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut the air, and then they have that eight second delay to go on that. Or you know, like if you're listening in your office and all of a sudden somebody's like. Shit. You know, everybody in the office be like, did, did we just hear that? You know, because it's, it's a public thing. So it's supposed to, right. the, the, the rules are supposed to reflect what's publicly, you know, yeah. uh, publicly allowable. If they I'm, don't say like, oh, you can't report on this or you can't play this, but they are regulated. So like they're regulated by, um, have to have permission to broadcast music. Oh, you know, man. you can't start. You can't start a radio station. Just go down to the local record store, buy a stack of records, and just start playing them. Right. Because then you're going to charge advertising to help those costs, and that's where the artists would be like, "Oh, well, you're making money off of me." Right. I mean, podcasting the the song I edited in the Gumby podcast. I bought it on iTunes, so I could put it in the podcast. But did I contact the artist specifically to maintain? You know, it's like that. Right. You know, where the internet has different rules now because you and I can broadcast this and the government is involved. But the Federal Communications Commission, I think this FCC, F- Federal Communications Commission, they regulate the internet providers because the inter- you know, cable providers and stuff like that because they're part of a communication dissemination service. Right. America is a really fucking weird place. A very weird place. But there's well, a you guys. Of- you guys have like you. You view your government as a good thing. Um, it's, it's it's primarily helpful to you. They provide for your citizens. Like they, we there's there's angst. I mean, I think they could be doing a a better job with a lot of things, and and they could be smaller, but definitely definitely not as harmful as your government. <laughs> definitely not as intrusive. Who are you at war with right now? We're we're just up here in Canada. We're just chilling. I think I think the wars that we go to are simply just to keep you guys cool, like just like okay, we'll we'll come along. We'll send like two hundred boys. Uh, we're with you. We're with you. But you spend like you but you send like your special forces. You don't just send like the kids off the corner. You send us like good guys because you know why? That's what we deserve because we're America. 
yeah. and terrorism and freedom and democracy and bald eagles and shit, even though you guys have more bald eagles than we do. Yeah. We, uh... It's we still our bird, damn it. We send some good old boys. Mm-hmm. For sure. But that's the thing. I mean, because if you look at the way America America acts towards countries that don't support us blindly, it doesn't go so well. I mean, you've heard about... You've, you've heard, like, when we decided to invade Iraq and France was like, nah, we're good. Yeah, did you hear about what they did? fries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if that's not, like... But some someone that we pay with tax dollars that... Hello. Hello. Hey. That's what I get. I started talking about the government and they cut me off. They cut you off, man. They didn't want everyone to know the secret of the freedom prize. Well, no, you were, yeah, you were talking, talking shit on Canada, so. Canada and the FCC. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just no, saying, it's, you know it's great... one of those things. I always tell my friends, I'm like, you know, if I die oddly, you know, expect it, but, you know, do me a favor, look into it. <laughs> look into it. Yeah, you're a writer. They don't like they don't like people who write things. People poking around. Just don't write anything true. <laughs> I did that with uh when I was working on uh, I was working on the story on antibiotic resistance and I had to go out to Washington DC cool. to interview uh, a couple uh, US congresswomen about uh um, oh, wow. you know, the role of lobbyists and issue and how uh they're all used and i end up staying with um a couple of the only reason i was able to go on the trip because like, oh, it's expensive and, 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 and i know i really know what rollerbladers out there let me see what i can do and uh you know they, they picked me up at the airport and, and when i was telling them about my story they're just like they kind of get like this nervous thing they're like dude you know you're in dc right like, you might want to be careful about like who you're messing with right now i was like oh shit but it was dealing with like it was against like the big drug companies like Pfizer and like all these ones. It was not a, you know, it didn't make the FDA look good. It didn't make Pfizer look good. But mm, you know, that's what they're saying. Like you might want to watch out. I'm like, you don't want to fuck know. with Pfizer. No, I got more, <laughs> more money than I I could, I could even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they when they released my good god. I have more money to deal with than anything else because they just they gave rich white men their boners back. Oh God! No That's... cocaine, powerful enough to, to stop Viagra. That is powerful. Mm-hmm. That's I'm what just saying. When you're on your products. boat in the Cayman Islands, you know you roll the ball, ready for a good time. Damn. These are problems I have in my life, at least. Your uh, your sound quality is a little. Weird. Oh, what did I do now? I don't know. You're, you've got robot voice going on. Oh, shit. Hold on for a second. It's probably you're talking about Pfizer, so they're, like, fucking with your audio. Yeah, is it any better now? Um, no, it, you're, you're, I can understand what you're saying, though. Okay. Hopefully it's not too horrible. I don't know. Well, that I, was I, I, I just plug things together and hit buttons and hope they work. Yeah. I got a question. What, sure. what, number, what number wizard frame testing are you guys on now? <laughs> the next one will be number 18. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Are you guys getting like new frames every time or what, what's the nope. story behind that? Nope. Same set. I know we, like people are like getting all 
serious about like, like the title of it, like wizard frame testing. Yeah, it's it's we're not testing them anymore. <laughs> we're just they're just edits in them. Um, but uh, we we don't want to start filming for a video because like it's not very nice out. It's still kind of shitty and there aren't leaves on the trees and stuff. So the footage is still subpar. So we're just making these like edits and they're really fun to do. I guess it's just fun to kick it at the kick it at the park and yeah, film some clips and super fun. I I don't even know half the stuff you guys do on those things as far as where you come up with them. I I, I don't know. I fought all. I don't know what to call it. It's interesting. I mean, that's uh, that's part I want to segue to the the nomenclature of rollerblading. So we're very we love naming things, and yeah. You know, what do we call ourselves? You know, they're talking about that at the industry meeting this year. Like, what do we call ourselves? Are we, are, is it rollerblading? Is it blading? Is it rolling? You know? Were you were you at this meeting with this famous no, I'm, picture? I'm just hella dozy, so I tell people that. Sorry? I'm just dozy, so after all over, I ask, I ask people. But... Oh, your, your audio is kind of weird. Man, every time I start bringing up secret shit, everybody's government starts fucking my shit. It's true. Fucking the role biting industry that's like John Julio is fucking with your audio or something. Nah, he, well, actually, well, nah, he'd be the least suspect. I think we're cool. I gotta go to his baby shower next weekend. I don't think it'd be him. He's cool? Yeah. Um, what about Andy? Andy Wagner? Yeah. Never met him in person. So, no. But then again, I love, I love the Razor scheme. Can I get my audio back now? Uh, it's a little shaky. No, I'm asking Andy Wagner if I have my audio back right oh. now. The, Razor, the Razors team is really good. I love Corey Waikiki. <laughs> I love Jeff Howard. You're actually getting, your audio is getting better as you're saying that. So um, we really... Oh, I, lo- I love Doc Bam. Yeah, I love uh, Razor skates. I think they're a really high quality skate. Um... In all honesty, as, as long as... They're the least favorite skate. I've never skated them, nor will I ever. Uh, but they're the worst skate in the world when t- together at a mall. Yeah. Like if somebody wants, like, I want a different color midsole, I just hate life for, like, a half hour. Are they difficult to uh, customize, like, to work on? I've never <sighs> owned a pair of razors. Well, one, they used uh, the tiny little screw heads. Oh no! The, like the ones that use for cup bolts, you can't use a power drill, otherwise you're gonna strip them all out. Oh no! So and they're... they and they spin. So it's oh, no. you know. So like really cheap parts. No, they're they're well, they're quality parts. They're just the way they're not made to. They're just you know they might be more sturdy than you seen it, but they're harder to maintain. My main problem with razors when it comes to the manufacturing part. This is what they bothered me, and I'm. Sorry, bigger man, you know, to somebody to their face, and it will. Um, but like when you got the Aragon sixes, I don't know if somebody forgot to put a part in or whatever. The people that hold the frame. So you say you got say you got a new pair of skates at the Aragon. Just open them up. And there's the frames and the wheels. Or the, they you have to put the frames on yourself. No big deal. But there are the. T the T bolts that hold in your frames that go in the bottom of the boot. Yeah, they were in a separate plastic bag with instructions on how to put them in. So which means 
you have to unlace the laces, unbuckle the buckle, pull the liner out, pull the heel pad out, pull the pull the plastic foot out, and then like put that in there, hold the frame, and put the bolt all at the same time. And all you want to do is just try out your new skates. Like, because when you get a new pair of skates in the mail, like I used to send to my work, the worst thing in the world, because then all day I'm just like, I just want to put these on and I want to go skate. Yeah, that's horrible. But just to put the parts, it was a, it was a DIY project. And I imagine something somewhere fell apart in the manufacturing process or the assembly. Where like, oh crap, we've got to put these skates, these parts together, and well, they're all ready to ship out. It was like one of their errors, but like at the end, it was, hey, this is our error. You got to deal with it. And now skates aren't any cheaper. Now there's not like a gift certificate for a free set of wheels because we're sorry for your inconvenience. It was just, this is the way the skates are going out. Mm, that sucks. Yeah, and even now, like, it, but it's it's small things like that where it makes it more of an inconvenience to the skate. Like, say if that was, like, your first pair of rollerblades. Yeah. You know, it's like, what the fuck? You would have, like, no idea how to even fix them. If you knew nothing about rollerblades and you didn't know that a, the liner was removable and... Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, I, if somebody ordered an escape complete at a ball, I'd put it together for them. Yeah. And every time I, I'm like, I hate this. This is horrible. <laughs> but because it's, it's just, it's kind of a cumbersome process. It's not easy. It's not swap. It's not it's like, it's just kind of a pain in the butt. It requires a lot of, you know, maneuverability. You do it a couple times so you get the hang of it. And I don't mind doing it for a customer because I'm good. You get it when you order something. We'll 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 do the the crap. But your skate comes, you can just take them out of the box and put them on and go. Yeah. You don't have to spend a half hour dealing with that. That for me, like, you know, people can say whatever they want. That for me, it's like with razors, where I was like, I would never, I don't want to buy your skates right. because that was your decision. So you work at a mall. I work, um, I work there part time. Um. Is Amol Amol is like one of the biggest uh, skate shops in the U.S. Right? I think the I think the, the I, world. I that's I I guess this is not like something we discussed the number that power of that would work, but I you know as far as what we ship out internationally and order sizes and stuff like that, like yeah, it's they're one of the, like at least in the U.S. I definitely know U.S. I don't know about the world because they're probably I don't like how big heat and skates got. But, as far as international orders, we're sending to you know, yeah. Brazil, Australia, uh, all these different places. How many, do you know how many pairs of skates they sell in a year? Not at all. I, it, um, I haven't been there that long. And to be honest, like, uh, my job there is essentially, uh, I'm a new guy. So I do all the stuff the new guy does. Like um, the other guy, Dre and Nolte and Justin, they handle all. Like you call, like, you call Amol, you're never gonna hear my voice on the phone. Right. Because it's all those guys that do with all the ordering. Um, I don't know what the number is, but like the number of skates we have in stock on a regular basis, and the number of skates that are available from dealers, like it's, they're definitely down from the heyday. Absolutely. But like, so there's like a warehouse, right, for aggressive mall, a mall. 
Yeah, like there's no we they moved to a new location and yeah. so we're more of a warehouse. Like you come in and everybody's like, is this is this a mall? Like yeah, 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 come on in. But like we're just like a warehouse. There's no like storefront because there's no foot traffic. Right. Okay, so there's no storefront. So it's like mostly online orders. Yeah, we'll get some in stores. We we'll get some local people. Yeah. Um, and especially that's a big like when I came up here to vacation. Uh, in San Francisco, but knowing I was going to move, but that was like the one thing on my, me and my buddies list. Like, we're going to go rent a car. We got to go to a mall. Why? Because you can go try on skates. Yeah, it's exciting when you when you don't have a shop, which is most people. It's exciting to go to a skate shop. Yeah, you can try skates on before. Yeah. Like you, you know, I've never, I, you know, that'd be, I've never tried razors. Let, let me try them on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, all right, maybe. You know, you can try on different models. You can. You can it's feel cra- the difference in fabrics. It's crazy that people buy skates without trying them on. But yeah, you just look at pictures. Though, so. They just look at pictures like, oh, those look cool. I'll get those. Or they try their friends on at the skate park and like, yeah. oh, what size are you? Like, I'm a size 7. Well, I'm 11. I'll see if they'll fit, you know? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that's that's a, a big problem. Imagine buying... I'm sure people buy shoes online, but probably they only buy a model and a size that they're kind of familiar with. Like for me, it's really important for me to go into a shoe store and like try on a bunch, like a few different pairs of shoes and, and see what feels best. Like you can't look at a pair of shoes and be like, oh, I'll get these. Do you want to try them on? No, I'll just, I'll just get them. They look great. Like, no, that's crazy. You, you would try them on because you can't tell how they're going to feel just by looking at them. Just like you can't tell how a pair of skates is going to feel until you try them on. And skates fit differently. You might be a size 9 in one skate, but be able to fit into a size 8 in another skate. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so important. You know, and it's crazy that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big it's a, drawback. It's the beauty of being brand loyal. That's true, yeah. You know, like uh, I, skate, I, skate, I skate REMS. I know I'm a, I'm a 10 and a half. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, especially for some skates that don't have half sizes and other skates that do have half sizes and skates that come in wide and narrow. And it's like, well, it's, oh, I don't like I don't like my skates because they hurt. Yeah. And that's going to be the number one reason why somebody doesn't skate. But if you can get, you know, especially you go to a you go to a, you can go to a shop and it's not just you to try stuff on. But it's also I my favorite thing is when I get to do an in-store sale, people, can, you know, like, hey, what, so what are you looking for, man? Yeah. What do you want? You know, and when they're looking at, oh, I was thinking about buying these wheels for, you know, these, you know, these whatever generic brand wheels that come on these skates. Like, oh, I'm going to buy these USD wheels. I'm like, yeah, you don't want those. Yeah. You don't want those at all. <laughs> yeah. No, because, well, if you're going to make an investment, you know, like there are a few parts in your skates that if you're trying to save money, you can skimp on. But then there are other parts you want to spend money on. Like, you want yeah. a good wheel. Yeah, very important. That's your first, you know, it's like a car. The yeah. brakes don't make you stop. The tires do, you know. And yeah. so, like, you know, a eulogy get uh, something poured by undercover that's going to be have some good grip and some good speed. Yeah, you, you know? want a quality wheel. It's also, yeah. yeah, it's important to, yeah, talk to people and ask them, like, how, are, how do you want to use these skates? Like, how do you, what do you plan on doing in them? Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's just... I want to just skate to work. Well, okay. And you probably don't want an aggressive skate if you're just going to be skating to and from work. I mean, an aggressive skate would work, but it's not going to be an optimal skate in terms of comfort and speed. 
No, but then it's also uh, if fashion is an issue. When I used to yeah. skate to and from work, people would look at my volos and just be like, holy crap, what are those? Are those shoes? Like the the B Smith, the brown B Smiths? Psh, get out of here. Every hipster was wet in their pants. Yeah, it's true. Those volos would be mm-hmm. popular with the hipsters. Yeah, and, and fashion is, imp- <laughs> is important to a lot of people. Well, I mean, like, but if you're, you know, somebody's going to commute, you know, it depends on at what point they're on. Like, if fashion is important to them, like, yeah, I want, you know, I want my skates to look good. You know, yeah. same reason. You, why did you get these, you know, like the, the moment you start getting, becoming that guy who wears like running shoes with, you know, khakis to work because the running shoes are more comfortable. Yeah. But they're not, you know, like, well, you look very silly. So, but it all depends. I'm like, I don't care. I have, you know, I, I have a wife and a kids. So I, I don't care. But when it comes to like form and function, absolutely not. I used to skate through the streets of San Francisco in any rocker. That was stupid. Yeah. I wasn't as good as the performance I would get with like. Uh... Actually, that's a good question I want to ask you because apparently every time, what do we call them? Are they power blades? Is it is are they big wheels? Um, I mean, every 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 time you guys put out something, the nomenclature of blading changes. Well, I think we didn't I, have a word for mushroom blading until you guys made that video and coined that term. Right. And then everybody well, referred to it as power blading because power blade branded it. I can't tra- you, we we can't take credit for mushroom blading. That did exist before before us. We stole that. Oh. Well, that's where all good art comes from, is stealing. Who'd you steal it from? Um, I believe Andy Cruz said it first. Oh, Wedge don't mind. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of a it was kind of a forgotten term or it, it wasn't like very well known and existed. Like I think in, I think he said it in some video and a few people knew about it, but then we took it and we, we took it mainstream. Yeah. You popularized that. Um, but yeah, big wheels, definitely people well, use that term now. And, and yeah, big wheels is, I think it's a good, label like because the wheels are bigger than what what people have been using before so it perfectly describes the difference of technology yeah Um, and the annoying thing the off-putting thing that really turned me away from power blading in the beginning was power blade i mean granted yes rollerblading is the you know the same thing that happened with the brand rollerblade but they invented the damn thing or at least popularized it and then power blades just like oh look we're gonna it's your old rec skates but we're gonna call it power blading and it's this yeah. new thing i'm going power blading it's like that's fucking annoying that's an arrogant i mean that's i get yeah, they what they were just... doing from a business standpoint but it's also like what the fuck so yeah, this you guys call it it big blatant. wheels it's like that's non-brand specific and right. it's the obvious thing that it, it what, why do you call it big wheels well, they're wheels, but they're bigger. Yeah, it makes sense. Bigger wheels than than we were riding before. Makes good sense. Yeah, I think that's why it it caught on. I think that's oh, most people refer to it as big wheels now. Um, I like the big frames too. It's funny that it's such a political issue within rollerblading, like the whole like power blading thing. Like, there's a lot of people that have very strong opinions against uh, big wheels, power blading. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's similar actually to the longboarding skateboarding thing oh, where yeah, there's like rifts between, 
people. Um, it, it is really disappointing because each each technology has its use, and by no means are we like. Like I still do skate aggressive skates. I I enjoy skating small wheels um, sometimes, but often I prefer to skate big wheels. But I think there's value in exploring all different types of wheel sizes and and different technologies and util and trying to find like what it's what it's best used for, you know? Yeah. Um, because there's like trick vocabularies and there's possibilities that you're better off with with big wheels uh and there's stuff that you're better off with small wheels like it all depends on what you're doing and so like basically you're just opening up doors by using a different technology you're like oh this technology i can't do a royale to alley topsole but i can do this other stuff you know um oh and- I, I i i was any rocker forever i've tried flat rocker after a while and now uh thankfully uh street released the 5692 so i'm gloriously happy riding flat i stick on front royales and there's certain things that feel like certain like all it's doing is making me either relearn a trick to do it properly or it's forcing me like okay well i can't do that trick like true miz is a little bit sketchier because I get some wheel bite that could throw me. Right, yeah. So after that, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just do true mocks and true souls. Yeah. Which is kind of really okay. Yeah. But for me, I, I can't give it up on just how much easier terrain feels and when I go to the park and I just want to boost something. It's like everything just feels more natural. And those are just on 56s. Right, yeah. But the one thing I do have with the big, you know, the big wheels, like you're talking about exploring everything. Is those things are so goddamn expensive. No, well, especially oh. the, especially the wizard frames. Oh well, that's I was thinking, trying to think. Of, maybe you can help me. Out, maybe you can help me out with this. Yeah, we can hypothetically build the most expensive setup in roll bidding. That I think would be my start, current setup. So you got sabas. Yep. Intuition liners. Yep. Uh, wizard frames. Yep. And then wheels that just won't explode underneath your feet. Uh, really nice 90 mil wheels. How much do those things run you? Um, probably like 120 for, for a set of eight. And then Swiss ceramic bearings? No, actually, I'm on Project Go uh, ceramic bearings, which I believe they retail for like, what are the, I'm not sure, uh, like four or 500 for a set of, what is it, eight or 16? But they're the, they're definitely the most expensive bearings on. The so board. how much is so okay you so you absolutely so you're writing how much does that cost? It's a that whole setup. Um, I don't have a calculator, but roughly oh, I hold think on, it's hold about fifteen hundred. I have a notepad. So let's, how much are savings? Sure. Five twenty. Um, for for what? Oh, are you going to add this up? Yeah. Okay, let's add this up. So the, I, I want to I want to see if what you use as rollerblades cost more than what I paid for my truck. I'm pretty sure it will. Right. So intuition. Uh, two hundred bucks for um, two hundred intuition liners. Let's just go to uh, the mushroom blading store. Plug. Um. So on our site, they're two hundred bucks. Yep. Okay, so two hundred bucks for intuition liners. Saba, 
Saber skates. So add in the the wizard frames are four hundred. Oh, they're four hundred. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Seba CJ Wellsmore skate. He's um, got a new one coming out. You getting that one? Um. So it's. I just saw you had it. So it's five fifty nine, but that's the complete setup. So. So let's subtract a uh, hundred for wheels and frames, just to be generous. Yeah. So that's four what? It was they're five fifty nine. So we're we'll go we'll go four sixty. We'll take ninety nine dollars off. Okay, for, for the boot only. Yep. And then about one twenty for the wheels. And then let's see if Bear, I can... bearings are five hundred dollars. You said four hundred. See if I can find the bearings. So what I'm doing is I'm writing the ceramics on the outside and Richie Eisler uh, Project Go bearings on the inside. Um, shit, I don't, I don't see a price for these. So, but the Richie's... The full ceramics are the most expensive of the Project Go, and Richie's are the second most expensive. But there's no price. So let's just be conservative and say the bearings are, I would say, $500 for the for 16 Wow. The so, ceramics are really expensive. Well, I know they're really expensive, but that's insane. So if you had to guess, and I have the total in front of me, <laughs> Uh, how much do you think? What is it at? We're at about what about fifteen hundred? No. Oh no, sir. The grand total is sixteen hundred and eighty dollars. That's not including tax and shipping. Okay. Yeah, sixteen hundred and eighty dollars. So yeah, almost close to two thousand. Uh, the the truck that I drove uh from Wisconsin to the East Coast and up into Vancouver this summer. <laughs> yeah. Not including extra work, but just getting that thing off the lot was twelve hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> okay, see, I, have to say, uh, I like I, I really well considering you're doing wizard frame testing. I hope you know. I, I know you're friends with Leon and stuff, but like if you bought that retail, if you actually paid all of that money for those things, yeah. As a responsible adult, I would want to know how much is in your child's college education fund. Yeah, I'm just making you know because otherwise, if you're spending that on skates and not on your daughter's future, that's that I gotta call. I gotta make a phone call to someone. Like, that's neglectful parenting. Right. Um, but that's that's rich man blading. That's a thing. Like you know, like the wizard frames. Like you know, I still think it's sick that they're made in the United States. I see like that for me is awesome because like barely anything in rollerblading outside like eulogy and undercover wheels, to my knowledge. And some small companies are made in the United States, so well, that's barely, barely anything in any industry is produced in the in the U U S. Exactly. Um, but um, and, and, and that is a ridiculous amount of money, or, or a, a ridiculous. Do value they feel on anything skates. short of amazing, though? They are. They are incredible. Like. Um, it, once, like once you've experienced the wizard frame and the intuition liner, and like ninety mil wheels, like 
any like any other skate when i go to aggressive skates they feel like garbage like they feel slow they feel clunky unresponsive there's sh- like shit moving around where it shouldn't be moving around like the wizards are just so responsive um in a way that like if you've only skated plastic frames you don't realize how shitty a material plastic is for a frame like I've warped you, I've warped plenty of frames to know that. When you get some fucking aircraft grade aluminum under your feet, you're like Is that what they are? Yeah, you're you're in fucking bit you're in business. It's you can go skate like a parking lot that's really shitty pavement and you can still feel like you're just flying. Like you're just it's magic. Um Well and I, I do even, even this small difference I feel in you know, going from any rocker to flat rocker, skating a, a, the cracks in a sidewalk. They don't even like, like even crappy pavement around Oakland. Yeah. Like, all right, this isn't good pavement, but it's manageable. Right. You know, I can roll on it, but I don't want to fall on it. That, and that's where you really get the benefit is like, um, I lived in Vancouver for a long time and the pavement there is just shit because it rains so much. Yeah. And I remember taking my wizards out and like skating down around downtown, like basically like point A to, to point B skating. And I was just shocked at how fast I could get around the city and like how efficient skating is. Like you can skate so fast and so far without using a lot of energy or without outputting a lot of energy mm-hmm. because your skates are just like, there's, there's no energy loss. Like, all the energy that you're putting into it is transferred directly into your speed and and your maneuvering so you can just you're not out of breath like i even uh, skating a nice skate park like i noticed i took out my aggressives and i was like holy shit like i was out of breath like i'm like i am putting out so much energy just to skate across this park whereas in the in my wizards like i would just be chilling out and just zipping you know, it's, it's a huge difference. Um, and you're right, like 1600, like my skates shouldn't be that expensive. Like if, if Leon was able to produce, uh, larger batches of the frame, it would be obviously much less expensive. Oh yeah. But it's because it's like a niche with, within a niche, within a niche, like roll biting on its own is small. And then if you think about people who are interested in a frame, um, that you can't even grind in really. Um, that's not a lot of people. So he's doing it in, in very small batches. He's getting them like handmade, like they're, it's basically like the most expensive that they'll, that like, they're very expensive to produce. Yeah. It's the, it's the same thing as everybody dealing with Chinese manufacturing when they're like, Oh, we only need this many products. They're like, fuck off, go find someone else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'm the only thing is though, it's like, you know, they they came out the power blades, and it, they just, like Richie Iser could do a backslide in them. It's like, oh, sick! Because otherwise, you know, people are like, oh, I got my power blading clips to go. All right, do you do anything else besides a macchio? Right. You know, and because that's the big thing when it comes to what do we call what or whatever. But when it comes to you know, you say your aggressive skates, because that's the thing. It's you know the rollerblading that most of us refer to referring to as aggressive rollerblading, and a lot of it's really cool for like bombing around but when it comes to i always hated it because i could do you know 
when I was skating to and from work, people like, were you interested in the power blades? I'm like, it'd be cool, but it's also the fun part for me is when I need to stop and there's a painted curb, I can just royale it. Right. Or I can soul grind it or something. Even if it's not waxed, I know I can just, no problem. Cool. All right. I'm good. Or if I see a spot or, you know, there's spots in downtown San Francisco, it's stop and hit on my way to work just to, you know, live the dream. But that was the whole idea. I'm like, do I have to stop and take my frame, take some wheels out and then take my frame off and swap these? I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I stuck with my setup. Yeah. But that's the thing we were talking about a lot of these. If you still want to do uh, the skating we think of, which is defining as grinds, because there was Team Rollerblade and, you know, AJ Jackson and, and doing handstands on boardwalks and, and cruising. But that difference came when you had guys like Chris Edwards and, you know, Arlo Eisenberg and all these early guys that were like, no, we jump up on handrails and we do grinds. We do skateboarding tricks on these things. Right. And that's the big thing that set it apart so even now with like the big frame you know the, the gc bigs at least yeah tim schmidt had the edit that you know he put those things on and when skated his bowl and he's doing back royales and he's doing all these grinds with no problems just to kind of show that look look this is a big wheel frame but it has a split yeah you know and i know bake was around before them but gc was in the united states and so that's where that caught on caught on there yeah. But that's the big thing is when people, you know, the people that had the the adverse reactions to those things. Like I, I, I was one of those. Now after going to powwow and seeing people bombing the snake around, I'm like, oh, I can see where those have a purpose. But it's also because, you know, oh, I have my skate set up. Like I paid, you know, I got my my Volo Eric Bailey's. I paid, you know, 300 and some dollars for them. I'm like, oh, do you want to go to a big setup or a power blade or something? And what's the price tag on that? Like minimum 130 because you have to buy all new bearings, all new wheels, all new frame. You know, most yeah, people I know have a separate skate setup for it. But that's also like, oh, do you want to try this? It's like, yeah, if it's free. But yeah. not, I don't want to try something where I have to – minimum investment is – you know, three figures. We're talking about rollerbladers here. We're not yeah. talking about millionaires. Exactly. And that's kind of the off-putting, you know, and I, I know people that have made them and they're like, holy shit, these are so fun. Like yeah. even sw even switching from any rocker to just being committed on flat rocker when I go to an unwaxed skate park and I'm like, oh, I'm stick on everything. But it's that, like, well, cool, then I'll just boost this. I'll boost that. Like I'll skate a little bit different. Yeah. But it's still... I have a pair of skates. Yeah, I think like grinding is what a lot of us initially fell in love with and really hooked us. And at, like it's crazy how how focused rollerbladers are on grinding. Like it seems like all the technological developments that have happened since 95 has have been like things that make grinding easier like you mm -hmm. see like bigger soles and um Wide, a lot wider the, grooves yeah a lot of the frame technology is based around grinding and everything is grinding which which in a way is like almost harmed like the just the experience of rolling and 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 and, and retarded progress in terms of like just what's going to be the best setup just for rolling, just for speed, just for maneuver maneuverability. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I I love grinding. Don't get me wrong. I'm like I worship like you know I I've been watching skate videos for the last twenty years and just been loving grinder blading and I like to do grinds. Um, but I do think that's that's harmed our activity and and I think it's it's one of the reasons why there's so few participants is because people put these skates on that have been just so um, tailored for grinding. And, and I'm talking about like non-roll biters, maybe someone who, who is trying it for the first time, they put these things on and, and they don't feel that great. They don't like just rolling in them. They're a little bit slow. They're a little bit chunky. Um, and, and they're not going to be able to hit a topsole and, f and feel the feeling of how good that feels. So their initial impression of it is like, yeah, like I had this vision in my head. Maybe they played hockey or, or something and they're like, yeah, roll budding. You can, it's basically skating anywhere on the street. That, that looks exciting. I'm going to try it out. And then they get a pair of skates and they're maybe a little bit disappointed. Um, so there, that's a huge issue uh, and, and I don't like, yeah, if it was up to me, it would be a little cheaper to, to get into this. And, and it's tough because they're like, our whole culture is used to one thing and, and people, people don't want to give up the feeling of hitting a topsole or, or doing a kind grind, like these, these things, this is what we love to do. So yeah, you go to a rail and you sesh it. Tough. Um, but I, 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 I do see a lot of people um, starting to skate big wheel setups. And, and I'm glad that people are realizing that you can still do like a ton of grinds. Like I, I'm skating the GC bigs uh, right now as my aggressive frame. And I can pretty much do every grind that I could do um, in other frames. You know, easy. Oh, I, I, and what... Shit, did I lose you again? Just when I was saying I I don't edit these, this is gonna be a lot of yeah, I know. To piece all these together. Shit. Oh well. Every time I start talking smack about something, boom. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I I realize it's all on my end. My uh, my internet is really fun. It just kicking out. Uh Yeah. Flaky. Yeah, it's well, it's uh, how Comcast works. It just says, "Hey, um, fuck you." There's no one else. Yeah. Oh well, well, it could be worse. Um, we are. I am talking to you, and you're not even here. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And yeah, uh, I just I got I've shitloads of first world problems. Yeah. None of them are actually real or actually matter. Oh, they're experience. real. They're real. <laughs> They're giving me gray hairs, at least. That's all I know. Yeah. They're very real. But, yeah, power blading and, I mean, big wheeling. Uh, Jesus Christ, like, it's, uh, we're, we're figuring it out. You know, we're still in the early stages of, of what we're doing. Yeah, and, like, I used to, I used to, you know, kind of be cynical in everything about them. Um, but just realized, well, you know, took me a while, but just realizing, fuck it, if you got roll blades on and you're happy, like, and I'm going to, if I'm going to clown on you, then I'm just, I got my own problems to worry about. Yeah. I think everyone just needs to do what feels best for them. Really. Um, 
and experimentation is, is a good thing uh, because I strongly believe that rollerblading technology is going to change a lot. Hopefully, I think. Well, it will. I mean, look at what the grind plate did. Yeah, the anti rocker wheel. Yeah, simple things. They make a big difference and they change the whole culture. And that's, that's the one thing though. It's changed, and a lot of people they're they're not uh, really accepting the change. I was the same way. I was like, oh fuck these, blah. Those are so fucking stupid. What the fuck? <laughs> Well, yeah, people get used to their tricks and people build like a, a big importance on what they do on, on the skates and, and what the culture deems is like the cool thing to do on them. And, and you know. Well, the, the easiest when it comes, because it's always, you know, it's a big thing is like the street cred behind things. And yeah. the one thing, if anyone ever says, uh, or anyone ever rags on you for having bigger wheels on than normal, just play that clip of ESG um, sketching on the Bay Bridge in traffic and transferring to Beastmith's motorcycle. He wasn't skating any rocker. He wasn't even skating flat rocker. He had, you know, it was a power blade set up on. It's like, well, oh, no, yeah, if you're going to do that, like no helmet in traffic, in Jesus. A potentially lethal situation, yeah, you're going to want some really big wheels on. Jesus. Yeah. I'm if if you if you go back and you watch that clip, the favorite thing about watching it, there are these huge grates on the bridge. Oh my god. And well so rain can get down them. Oh fuck. And Eric, when he was getting out of the like he because that's the scariest thing, is he just opens up the passenger door and steps out. That fucking does guy really needs to fucking wear a helmet. And as soon as he closes his door, he has to hop over one of those grates. Oh, my God. And these these grates are like 10, maybe longer feet. But he just hops over it like, you know, you just pick your heels up to get over a curb. As, as someone that is in his circle, you really need to sit that guy down. Oh, we've talked about it. Yeah, like sh- like showing that stuff to his parents, stuff like that. I'm trying to remember, I've because I've seen some of his sketching videos, and does he wear a helmet? I feel like I saw one where he he's wears. got a hat on. He's got a hat. He's got a hat. Okay. And he's but like as we said in the very beginning. See, this is he's what got happens. Hat, he's got confidence. This is what happens when you become a dad. You start <laughs> seeing these crazy things that these young guys are doing. You start saying, "Dude, you gotta be wearing a dome." Where's the lid? Doing doing anything, you know. I just like think about like I know Eric Garcia is an extremely good rollerblader, and he's obviously very confident. But even the most skilled people, there's variables going on that he can't control. Like he's on a fucking highway. There are other people in cars you know and he's going so fast and these greats that you're talking about sound like all kinds of trouble something could happen and could you imagine if eric garcia like if he died how sad people around the rollerblading community would be i mean this dude not only is he amazing rollerblader he's like a super super charismatic dude he you know He's an awesome guy. We would hate to lose him. And 
you know, I just think he should be wearing a helmet if he's going to be sketching cars on the fucking highway. <laughs> yeah. And Put that on was, a helmet. I mean, that he needed, like, like in all actuality, a helmet, motorcycle. But if he was, like, if he was wearing, like, a Pro-Tech and something went wrong in that situation, that Pro-Tech ain't going to do shit. Well, he, yeah, you're, it, it, it might still he might still fuck himself up he probably still would fuck himself up but at least at least it would give him a chance yeah exactly it would give him a chance you know but then again that's also the whole thing if he if if or if anyone in that situation and again i'm not advocating against the use of helmets but you know it's the question oh well if it weren't for his helmet he'd be dead and instead he's a vegetable (laughs) you know hey i'm not wearing a helmet why because if it's going to happen i want it to be quick and i want it to be clean yeah. Again, <laughs> there, small is, children, there is a point uh, there. Yeah, small children. Um, I'm a meth-smoking alcoholic, so don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> and, you know, well, in Eric's case and in, in the example of him sketching on the highway, that point might actually be valid. <laughs> that, you know, if something's going to happen, let's make it quick and painless. Yeah, but that's also the people that are like, oh, I don't wear my seatbelt because, you know, I could show you some YouTube clips where people were alive because they didn't wear their seatbelt and getting ejected from the car was a good thing. But like, yeah, well, I've that one or two times, you know, like, yeah, I've been that person. But it's we're not worrying about catastrophic car accidents or we're not worrying about catastrophic events. We're worrying about, um you know, I, I, I had numerous instances where I'd be better off if I was wearing a helmet, you know. Um, I, uh, uh, I've got a Dan- story about uh, Leon. And he didn't, he didn't tell a lot of people this story. Um, so let's tell everyone. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's because he didn't want people to know. I think it's just because, like, he didn't want to have to tell the story over and over. Because it's, like, a pretty intense story. Yeah. Um, but... If it is because you didn't want people to know, sorry, Leon, I'm going to tell everybody. But uh, him and his girlfriend were driving home from a hot springs um, late at night, and he got into a car accident. He There was like a funky curve, and they went off the road, and the car flipped. This was recently. This was like maybe a few months ago, four, four, four or five months ago. Oh, like since this summer? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, I was, saw him this summer, and then I saw him at Powwow. Yeah, it seemed like nothing happened. Yeah, this was very recently. Um, the car flipped, and he didn't have a seatbelt on. Oh, and by the way, he was naked. Oh, he had a towel because they just came back from the hot springs. Don't need pants for that. <laughs> yeah, um, they were both uh, trapped in the car. This was very serious. The they. Luckily, Leon had like a little bit of battery on his phone to call, uh, I don't know, the police or ambulance or whatever. And luckily, they had a signal because they were like kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, The car was upside down. They couldn't get out because the car was like all bent up and shit. They couldn't open the doors. Um, But yeah, he wasn't wearing a a seatbelt. And he did say that he was happy that he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Because, like, being the wizard that he is, he was able to, like, kind of, like, absorb the <laughs> the flipping of the car and, like, react to it. And he said that, like, if, if he would have had his seatbelt on, 
he would have been like fucked up more because like since the car landed upside down he would have been like stuck upside down but he was able to like i don't know i don't know exactly what he did but he got out of it like completely unscathed unscathed is that the word unscathed yeah yeah um I still wouldn't advocate not wearing a seatbelt, um, but, no. but there are going to be exceptions to every rule. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, it's the but same they're going to be people, rare. You can, it's you all can, about hedging your bets. You can jump out of an airplane and survive, but you would can. anyone try to do it? Mm, no. <laughs> I mean, Travis Pastrana did that really cool thing where he jumped out and then they put the parachute on him as he was falling or they hooked him up to another guy. But... He jumped out of a plane with an air. He jumped out of an airplane with without a parachute and a backup plan. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. So, but it is. I mean, like I asked, I asked so many people, like, why don't you wear a helmet? And the answer is always like, nah, they're they're cumbersome and they suck and, you know. But it is like people ask us all the time, why don't you wear helmets? I always tell them, like, I've hit my head so many times, I'm already stupid enough not to wear a helmet. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, and I didn't wear a helmet for like 20 years, and I did a lot of pretty dangerous things without one. Um, so it's not like I can judge just because I started wearing a helmet like days ago. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do wish it was more culturally acceptable, like in rollerblading. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, because it is like it's it's not a cool thing to do. Like, rollerbladers don't wear helmets. Well, even right. Sizemore and Garlinghouse gave them up. Yeah, it's like maybe something that young kids wear, but then once you get older and more badass, then you put on your leather jacket and take off your helmet. Um, and then you go full circle. Yeah, then you you pump out a couple kids, and then then you come to your senses and you put well, on a helmet. It was, it was oh. interesting. Um, one day before we went out skating, um, Kenan, Scott, Danny, Malm, and I went to uh, college in Oakland, and we were actually part of a traumatic brain injury study. Oh, wow. It was like uh, Kenan's wife's mentor, whatever they recruited us for. It. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I've done you know research on, on as they call them, TBIs, yep. but essentially we're talking about a concussion. Yeah. And they were testing our memory and all this stuff because all this stuff that came out now with the NFL and, you know, the NFL finally admitted like, oh, well, apparently hitting your head repeatedly is a bad thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. we have these these old linebackers who brains are brains are just mush. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about that. And we were telling, like, skating stories, almost just, like, badass, but, yeah, this is what we do. But it was also talking about, like, yeah, we've we've hit our head. Like, I had a collision with Kevin Yee so bad at a skate park that um, it essentially changed my personality. Like, I don't know the full scope of it, but it was, like, we hit heads so hard, I was knocked unconscious. And. Really? Yeah. Um, I was out for a while. Um you know, I remember when I was at the ER, people had to fill out forms for me because I was like, mm. but oh uh, I remember at that moment in in the doctor's office just being like, oh, no, 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 I'm coming online right now. No, I'm actually making memories right now. Like I was still, Whoa. you know, I was still kind of 
I was able to like walk to the car, but I was, yeah, I was knocked out for a while and bleeding from the head and, you know, they did all the necessary tests and everything. And they're like, Oh, you're okay. But as far as the lasting effects of that, it's like, I've just been a little bit more different since, you know, but then you have people like, you know, the, the obvious thing is Jordan Dale. You know? Tell me the Jordan Dale story because I don't know it. Jordan Jordan Dale, um, and I don't I don't know the man personally, but he, there's a there's a clip of him doing a, a fast slide. Yeah, I guess yeah, it was a fast slide, and you know, oh, down, he, ra- down rail, and he hits his head. Is it, it's not the one. It's sorry, it's not the one in the rain, is it? I don't know. You guys are better. You're you're by far a better blade historian than I am, as far as knowing the the all the who, the what's, and the whens. Um, but I know you can find it online. But he hit his head so bad, yeah, that he just was never the same. Really? Just, yeah, and it's just this this hardcore head injury, and we saw him at one of the last bitter colds. And it was also like a combination of like doing mushrooms and ecstasy, and so he went from being who he was to like. I thought that's a like, good combo. I, Sorry, I, you know, if 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 you got if if you got mental problems, you self medicate however you need to do it, and he, uh, but he hit his head so bad that it essentially messed up the physical structure of his brain. Oh. Started doing all this other stuff, and then he started recording music as Sun Dai, and it was just all this really kind of just weird stuff where he's like. It was just noises with his face painted and like, oh God. it just, I imagine it was like what inside just a very just, yeah, it was a head injury, but it was just oh, like, okay, so this is like music to you and all this stuff. And the last I've heard um, from a legal case is that someone at least, uh, but he had the, he got the, you know, of course the sign of mental stability is getting a forehead tattoo. Um, I don't know if that was permanent or temporary, but in one mugshot it pops up. And then the latest time when he got arrested in the mugshot, it doesn't, it doesn't have the tattoo, but he recently was essentially, uh, according to media reports of the incident is that he was caught soliciting young girls at a park. Oh my God. Like looking up their shorts and hey, come over here. And he had his van parked down by the road. Oh my god! And that's not even like oh you're devious. It's like no, you are so like you're just diminished capacity. He hit his head so hard that he essentially became a, a, a child, or for lack of a better medical term, like retarded. Oh my god, that's so sad. That's so yeah. I mean, and that's and sad. that's. That's happened to, you know, numerous people because yeah. your skull can take a hit, but it can only take so many. But he hit – it took that combination of psychedelics and whatever happens to a person. And I, it was a really like – like a, I think his bond was like $100 or something like that when he got arrested. But either way, it's like, dude, you're at a playground and you have a van and like – Jesus. You're harassing kids so bad that other kids get involved and like they had to call the police and you got arrested. It's like, well, that's just that's the that's a head injury, man. Yeah, that's the, I mean, you know, breaking your arm, breaking your leg, that that sucks and it hurts and you got some recovery, but like, your brain, that's you. 
Everything, everything is in your brain. Yep. All the information that makes you, you is in your head and, and it can get fucked up or it can get lost with, with a good smack or like a few good smacks. Like you want to avoid concussions. Um, as a general rule. Yes. That's, and you can, the, you can have the exact same experience as the, the one that you love, you know, the risk taking, like I love, I, I've done stupid shit. I've jumped big, stupid gaps and, and taken huge risks. And, and I, and I do advocate that. Like, I think it's awesome and, and it's glorious to experience that. And you, but you can have that same experience and just, and just be a be a little bit be more safe and have a helmet on and just cut out not completely cut out the risk of a head injury i mean it can still happen but you're cutting out like 95% of of most head injuries you know um it's just a simple thing that you can do like i don't know yeah, I mean it's the same as we could advocate for. Like, I think I'm finally at my career now where I'm going to get some knee gaskets. Yeah, just because it takes that. Like the like any time I hit my knees, like I'm 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 milking my knees for the ever last bit, and every any time like I hit my like I I took I took a hard knee at uh, at powwow, and you know it had a gash on it, but I'm like oh, I'm fine. I'm just but after the weekend, I heard like it was like just felt like this this click where you know like it felt like the tendons connecting things together Ooh. one of them was broken and i'm like oh shit is this permanent and i just imagine that happened to your brain yeah yeah knees are bad i had to get a acl surgery and you can still was... skate oh yeah man I feel better than ever this oh was, yeah this was like uh eight years ago Nine years ago. Yeah, the ACL, the meniscus. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's the that's the bad one. It's bad. Like it's such a long recovery. Like there there are surgeries, and luckily I live in Canada, so it's free. Yeah, fuck you. Um. <laughs> so you know it's something you can deal with, but still, like I was pretty much off skates for like a year and a half. Yeah, that's rough. Um, but you know it it led to some personal growth <laughs> you got you got time for it yeah you got a lot of fucking time to sit and think about what the fuck you're doing with your life you're so focused on this rollerblading thing and all of a sudden no you can't do that anymore so what are you going to do what are you going to do you're going to sit around and think about it you're going to be depressed and you're going to think about life you're going to reevaluate things <laughs> Yeah, I imagine. I think it's a good. It's a. It's definitely a good. It was a good thing for me because I was just like. So. Uh, I guess I was the proper term would be not giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah, and I was having fun. I was having a blast. I don't regret it. It was great. Um, but I think it's good to diversify your interests for sure. Yeah, I mean that's it's the the growing up thing. I mean, I had my 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 come to Jesus moment. Uh, with my uh, with my girlfriend, or not with my girlfriend, but when my girlfriend was gone, and I'm like, oh, it's Friday, it's Saturday, and then Sunday, and then all of a sudden, by the time Monday, Tuesday rolled around, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? There was an open alcohol bottle 
I made sure it made I made sure it got empty. I got you know I I don't have a problem with that, but it was like after a while I was like, God, I don't have any responsibilities, and did this in just too many days of it, and I was like, what the fuck? I'm I'm glad I got that out of my system, but I'm gonna go get a salad, <laughs> stretch, and do some yoga. I'm gonna do some cross training. Why? Because this is just what my body is now. Yeah, you know, and this is just where I am in my life. And it sucks. I mean, it doesn't suck. It can be cool, but it's like that moment where, like, that youthful, the I don't, yeah, the I don't give a fuck when that kind of has to, like, you're like, oh shit, I give a fuck now. Damn it. Yeah, it's it's good to yeah, it's good to have fun. It's good to fuck around and do things that are risky. Have some fun. Do some meth. <laughs> <laughs> But God, I hope nobody. I hope no one like stops me. And like, Yo, you're the meth head. I'm like, oh, fuck. No, I think it's admirable that you you can say you did it and you didn't get ho- hooked on it. Well, my favorite thing. Well, the my only that's, that's like something I'd put on a resume. Like, but yeah, did, but that's... did meth once, didn't do it again. It's called willpower, son. Kevin oh. Kranz, I'm your man. I was did this, meth once. This just sitting there with. <laughs> A, a, a sheriff's deputy, and this is when I was in Iowa, and Iowa was like the meth capital of the United States, and they're really cracking down on stuff. And a sheriff's candidate said to me, "It's like, well, meth is our biggest thing. People don't know. You try meth once, and you are hooked for life." <laughs> and in my brain, I was like, "That's not true." But as a journalist, I couldn't say like, "Well, that's actually not true," because I smoked meth once and I'm not addicted. But you can't really say that to a sheriff's. The guy who wants to be sheriff, just like, hey, I'm the local reporter that's going to be covering you and every one of your fuck-ups. Oh, and I know you're wrong because I smoked meth once and I'm not addicted. <laughs> but it was also that propaganda. I'm not saying there's anything good with meth, but, yeah, you know, all these people like, oh, you can't try a dr-. Dude, sure, try a drug, but yeah. just know that you're going to do it once, you know, tr- and don't try heroin. Or no, that's sick. But yeah, like one of meth. Like no, don't. The worst thing about meth is that you have to hang out with meth heads. Then yeah, that is the worst part of it. I would say if you're gonna do it, at least like do it by yourself, so you don't have to fucking deal with the meth heads. Because I imagine I w- other people that do meth are like really annoying. They probably listen to really bad music. No, that's the same reason. That's the main reason I don't get into. I wish I did more ecstasy. Because ecstasy is great and the world feels like love and rainbows and shining and music's awesome. And then they play shitty fucking raver music. Yeah, you don't want to be around no. those people. No. Like if you're going to try drugs, don't do it with the people that do the drug on a yeah. regular basis. That's a, that is good advice. Do it like by yourself or with like other people who don't normally do the drug. Because well, people, like, people who always like are, get really into a drug, those are fucking annoying people. Like people who do ecstasy a lot or like ravers you don't want to hang out with those people no ecstasy I mean, is a great drug do it by yourself there's the same well, thing don't do in it my... by yourself you probably want a spotter but do it with actually a... how to be unpopular does not condone the use of mdma <laughs> nor does it support the use of crystal meth <laughs> like what uh like uh pot when I was uh, growing up in the Midwest, like out here in California, I, I got a card. I can go to a store. Damn. All right. I lie. My card's expired. I have a friend with a card that goes to a club, but, uh, you know, either that way. That works. Legally. Uh, I had a card twice. It just expired. Yeah. Um, 
but you can go to a store and buy it. And I shop by brands and I shop by stuff. Like, what do you want? Do you want sativa or do you want indica? Well, yes. I buy both because one's when I want to be up and creative and the other one's like, hey, it's bedtime. I'm going to smoke some of this and then I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. But my only problem in my hometown, like, you know, in most places, like, what is it? You want to smoke some pot? Well, it's not. Oh, what kind is it? It's like, what is it? It's pot. Fuck you. It's just pot. Yeah. And then I hang out with people that were like lazy potheads. They'd be like, get the Doritos. What do you do? We're going to watch the WWF. And I'm just like, it sounds oh. it sucks. Yeah. But in California, I met the right kind of potheads like, oh, I'm going to smoke some pot and we're going to go rollerblade. Yeah. Or we're going to smoke some pot and go on a hike. Or we're going to smoke some pot and go do something rather than like, what do you do? Oh, we just smoke pot and watch TV. Oh, that's I've been in those living rooms, man, where there's like a whole bunch of shitty, stinky people on couches yeah and it's like nice and sunny out but like they've got like blankets over the windows and they're watching just some dumb fucking comedy like just eating some shit food and they just sit there for like hours and that's fine for an afternoon maybe once a month yeah but if that's your life yeesh. but even like like it's it's i don't know as as there's like social groups, like that's what they do in their social group. Just shitty people. I mean, look at us, our social group, we put on rollerblades. That's true. Some people may frown on that. That's true. But at least we're getting cardiovascular exercise. Exactly. We're outside and getting some fresh air. Engaging in the exercise that burns the most calorie. That's uh, true. Than any other activity. What is it, like twice as much as running? It's well, like and it's, by a and, landslide too. And it's also way better in your joints, but it's like all, it's also more than biking. But yeah. not not by much. We barely eke out biking. But as far as like exercise it's, that it's you get the most kind of output, you oh, know, yeah. least amount of output, but the most amount of benefits, rollerblading wins. Yeah. Well you're using a lot of different muscles in your body. You're engaging your entire body to stay balanced and to to generate speed. Like, it is amazing cardiovascular exercise. And it depends on, like, how hardcore you get with your arm movements. I've seen some rec skaters that are, like, it's an upper body workout for them as well. Oh, yeah. Because they're just getting into it. They're just like, this is fucking happening. I'm rollerblading. This is how I do it. Fuck yeah. I look like a sideways windmill, but fuck it. Yep. Get that arm swing going on. Yep. Don't be shy. Mm-mm. They, they got their hot jams. They probably got some Christina Aguilera on their on their iPod. Hey, you're talking about me now. <laughs> you know how I roll. She's like, oh shit, what year is it? Oh fuck. <laughs> I fig I figured, but yeah, like the, the funny thing we as long as we're talking about the nineteen nineties. The interesting thing, at least in the US, is everything is like on a twenty year cycle. So it's really interesting to see how things are gonna pan out with rollerblading. Um, as far as like social acceptance. It's true. I mean, uh you know who Joe Rogan is? Yeah. Of course, never mind you podcast. Yeah. He, uh, the, he, as you may know, he advocates for and sells um, fanny packs. This is true. And so I'm like, if Joe Rogan can sell fanny packs to people, rollerblading can become cool again. If Joe had the fanny packs have the Joe Rogan stamp of approval to them, rollerblading, we're just we're right behind it. I think it. I. Th- I think it's only a matter of time before, like it's, I think the, the whole idea of cool is, is dying. The whole idea of celebrity and 
people being special is dying. And it's just going to come down to like people doing, people finding things that just make them happier and healthier. You know, very, oh, yeah. like, the, people are the, getting more functional about their shit. Like more, I, I, I don't know. I think fashion is becoming less and less. Um, there's, there's less and less importance placed on it. And oh, yeah, more just... importance placed on like, okay, you you might you might look really good. Are you like fulfilled? Do you enjoy your life? Do you have things that you really enjoy doing? Do you are you in shape? Are you ri- do you have money? Do you have resources? Like do you have friends? Like I don't know. It's like it's getting more. People are just more utilitarian. Maybe I just live in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's actually probably a strong factor because that's, I mean, while it, you know, the easy to to to, to mock something, it sounds like some hippie shit, but that's the idea of true happiness, and right. the whole you know tolerance and acceptance are becoming mainstream ideas. Uh, you know, they're getting accepted, and that's the whole thing is you know, you you be you. But as long as you're happy being you and you're not making me unhappy being me, then we're cool. And like f- falsehoods are just getting uh, getting labeled as such like every day. I think, I don't know, you see it with with like martial arts where people had these false sense of like um, how great their martial art was for, for ages, for a long time. And now it's on a world stage where you see like, okay, you can't just have like Kung Fu masters that are going to beat like the, the true masters of, of the UFC. Like a lot of that stuff has been debunked. That's the word I'm looking for debunked. Like, um, and rollerblading in, in just looking at it, like, outside of culture and what it represents culturally like just as a technology it's really interesting that like you can just like attach wheels to your feet um and move in a new and exciting way like it's it's a very interesting uh activity that like we discussed you burn a lot of calories and it's a great workout but it like bottom line is it's it's powerful you can be converted to a superhero like if you learn Mm -hmm. to master them you go beyond being a human and you become like a new entity that can just like float along the ground like i'm fascinated at how dogs react to rollerblades they just freak out it's like they see it sometimes they freak out and they it's like they don't even recognize the person as a human they're this like, floating what the, ghost. What the fuck is this? Yeah. The yeah. fuck is this like being that's just like flying across the street? Like this isn't a this isn't a human. And it's for that purpose, like who cares like how cool it is? It's like straight like you can't say that it's lame when someone's just like ripping down the street. It's gonna oh, no, get, it's, it's gonna re- get it's re- debunked. It's hard to it's hard to hate on anyone that's good at what they do no matter what. But in terms of the sports and this is the way I look at it, like in terms of the sports that share the same space, the same people that go to the same skate park, 
like the whole object or the whole point, um, and not the whole point, but a, a major point of bikes, scooters, and skateboards is that you manipulate the object. Right. You know, with the you know bikes or scooter, like I'm gonna do a tail whip. I'm gonna manipulate yeah. the object underneath me, and then I'm gonna land it. Like it's gonna together, we're gonna launch in the air. I'm gonna manipulate it, and it's gonna go down. Right. And skateboard with a kickflip or something, but rollerblading is more or less about the enabling because yeah, the tricks are different, but and we may just move our foot and it's attached to our foot, but for it feels more like it's an enabling thing because okay, humans can walk, we can run, and then what's a logical way to go faster? You put wheels underneath your feet, right. not separate where it's like, oh well, if I jump a certain way, my object won't come with me. Right, it's like an. Whereas, like rollerblading, it's like it's the it's Kid Icarus. Yeah, yeah. You learn to work with it, and then it enhances your your power and your speed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and that for me is like it just always you know in other sports, whatever sports may rag on for for each other, whatever it's like, but rollerblading feels the most natural. Like, I I like going hiking, and almost twice every hike I will like stub my toe like I'll, I'll i'll trip on something a little rock i'll step up but i will do that less on rollerblades like i'm more comfortable on rollerblades than i am on my own feet at this point well yeah just because i'm like oh if i'm moving backwards i can just lift my heels up and i could have i can bounce up over anything or if i know there's a crack in the sidewalk i just you know i got i got it's more i don't know Maybe I just spent too much time on my rollerblades or whatever, but it's it just feels more natural. Like whatever whatever terrain is less of an issue. But for some reason, when I'm walking, the thing I've been doing more in my life, I'm more likely to you know almost trip. Right. Well, that's the thing that like once a person has experienced like what it's like to be that comfortable on skates, and when it becomes as second nature as walking, they realize like okay, like this is awesome. Mm -hmm. But for a person like to get to that point, it's like they have to go through a lot of like awkwardness or it's a big um, learning curve. Yeah, because um, most them, people like, that put most people that put on the same thing ice skating. Yeah, I tried ice skating once and I broke my wrist, and now I'm never going <laughs> to do it again. Yeah, that's just, I mean that's this that's the same thing. It's like well you gotta well you gotta get you gotta learn how to fall, and once you learn how to fall, then everything's not so scary you learn how to push yourself right but yeah that's the hardest thing about getting it kind of like mainstream like i would like to see it like rollerblading as a, a more accepted commuting thing yeah it takes up less less you know room on a train and yada yada they're much easier to carry around it'll, it'll but take it's not gonna long. it's not gonna happen because most people most people aren't that's well you know, eventually rollerblading like, in traffic sounds terrifying to 90 yeah. percent of the population i think rollerblading will really take off when it's a very normal thing for kids to like because kids you know one of the normal like milestones is for them to learn how to ride a bike mm -hmm. and every kid learns how to ride a bike um and that's why biking is so um so like ubiquitous like it's it's there it's uh everyone knows how to ride a bike eventually you know, it might take a hundred years, 200 years. Um, the same way, like a biking took, if you look at the history of biking, uh, what the b first bike was invented in like 1890 or whatever. And then 
it didn't really become like a household item or like really that popular until like 1950, 1960. So it took like 60 years for the bike to be invented and then for it to be, to become this thing that we teach every child how to do. Eventually mm -hmm. rollerblading could be that thing where it's a thing that you eventually, when a kid is four or five years old, whatever, you teach them how to inline skate. And it's just like a part of their development, you know? And that's when, well, I shouldn't say But yeah, like you get, you get, you get kids interested in something at young. And then for their whole life, it's, it's like riding a bike. It's like they can put on skates and it's just like a, a pretty natural thing because they learned when they were a child how mm -hmm. to do it, you know? Um, and then it'll be interesting when everybody or, or like 90% of people in the world know how to rollerblade. I, the nice thing though is because I have the bike lanes. So hopefully the rollerblade lane will be like a little bit wider and a little bit like every, everyone will be like a nice smooth surface. Well, yeah, the, the terrain will really change. Um, if rollerblades ever do become like the main mode of transportation, like imagine a city where everyone in it were like rollerbladers and the whole city was specifically designed for inline skating and for like getting around, uh, in an, in an efficient way on skates, um, it that sounds that sounds like a sequel to like Revenge of the Roller Boys. They're just like this, <laughs> this this like future where everyone is on wheels. Well, but when we're when we're looking at America's future, though, everybody's gonna be on wheels, but they're gonna be like the rascal scooters. <laughs> what are rascal scooters? Oh my god, that is the most Canadian thing to ever say. Because <laughs> you guys don't know about them. Rascal scooters. Rascal scoot. You know, like the little the motorized like I'm too fat to walk things. You mean like segways? Segways, but you don't have to stand up. Segways. It's literally like you don't have it like at, at a big grocery store where they have like the cart that you just sit in and it's like a little tiny, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's like a, a little golf cart type thing. Yeah, but for like a single person with a bot with a basket on the front. But yeah, we have those we have those in America and it's just like people that get too fat to walk. Oh god. Are too fat that they don't want to do walk. They, do they own these or are they like rented out at malls? They have commercials that run during the day. Like, if you have Medicare, we can get you, increase your mobility with this scooter. And it always in the picture, it's always like these like relatively in shape, but like 90 year old people in the commercials. Well, really, it's like <laughs> I'm in my 40s and I'm 400 pounds. <laughs> Welcome to America. No, that is like the thing. If you if like if you Google something like the most American picture ever, it will have a fat ass person in one of those scooters. Oh God. Well, we yeah. do we do have those scooters, but it's I guess it's not uh, as it's not so big that I know the brand name of like a major one. Rascal scooters in Rascal. America are more Rascal. socially acceptable than rollerblading. I think. <laughs> oh. That's great. So that's when people are like, oh, the American flag's offensive. I'm like, yeah, it depends on what it stands for, you know, if it's like this is this is who we are. It's yeah. insanity. It's it's just insanity. But yeah, that's at least the one thing, at least for me, rollerblading in whatever capacity I may do it for the rest of my life, at least just being like just I can't become a fat ass. 
Like yeah. I, when I retire, then I can. But until you know, like if I'm in my 30s or if I'm in my 40s, I'm like I can't. Have you? Seen, I can't let myself balloon out. I still have to like. You you've seen the slow mo documentary, right? That dude's the sickest. That's right. That's then that's again. The I also need right that neurosurgeon money to support that support that lifestyle. Oh, it's true. But a lot of people retire. Yeah. And, that dude's uh, like, oh, what do you do? I like one thing. Good for you. Yeah. Well, a lot of yeah, a lot of people retire and they they fish or they drink. He rollerblades. Yeah. Live that dude. Yeah. That, that I mean, that dude's got it right. Yeah, and the um the 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 guy Frank Frank Hernandez. Oh my God. Bakersfield. Yeah, that dude. Have you met that guy? No, but uh, I've talked to enough people that have, and they're just like. You can. He's just the man to be around. Crazy. In his seventies, like, isn't this so much fun? Just being like, oh shit, I was having a bad day, but now I'm hanging out with Frank. <laughs> I don't know. Just rainbows and fucking awesome shit everywhere. Yeah. We found the fountain of youth. And he's Something drinking at least, but that's. I mean, that's the only thing. No matter what it is, you kind of have to have that thing. And that's my my favorite thing about rollerblading is it's still the same thing I used to do when I was fifteen. You know, it's like those guys, you know, even people that you're like, oh, I grew up playing baseball and I still I'm in a rec league and I still do it. Like my girlfriend has played soccer her whole life and she's like in in two different leagues and she's playing soccer like twice a week. Nice. And I'm like, that's sick. I'm like, that's the exact same thing I do with rollerblading. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. It's like that whole like this when I was 15 or whatever age that, you know, hits you at the right age. Like this is the most important thing in the world to me. And. You know, I have other important things, but this is still important. Oh, yeah. And that, that I think, is the, the, the fountain of youth. Fuck yeah. Well, this was a great chat, buddy. Yeah. Oh, shit. We've gone, we've gone long in between all of our uh, lovely um, technological interruptions. Yeah, very long. I think when I piece it all together, it'll be well over two hours. Oh, shit. I have a battle with Frank Stoner, so you can go on the longest. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we I'm should glad- do this again. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. For sure. Thank you very much. Excellent. I enjoy your podcast. I love listening to it. Cool. Well, uh, have a good, uh, I guess, yeah, it's the same time there. Have a good night. Yeah, we're in the same time zone. Yeah, you too, man. Sleep well. You too, man. Have a good night. Peace.